I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, here we go. Check, check. Check, check. Oh, that, I, when I hear that, I know that I have to say good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. Sad well, qu- night. Sad night. But, but tonight, quite literally, good night. Yeah. Um, we are recording this at night. What? Who cares? I Why care. Are you saying that because we talk about recording on Saturday. Why, is, why are you we talking ta- about the time of recording? It's because we the most we all... uninteresting thing to talk. No, about. it's not. We always say good night. How often is it actually night? I guess you're right when I say Touché. it. Touché. Oh wow! No, I was gonna say I agree. I was gonna say I agree with you. It's not. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> um. So we, if you are joining the podcast, WANEP is dead for the first time ever, or maybe your first time back to WANEP, welcome. Um, Yo, we, it's so hard to explain what WANEP is dead is. It's like, well, we used to do a podcast. Well, what was it on? What network was it on? Eh, it wasn't. Uh, oh, how consistent were you? Eh. Well, how I many mean, times he, did you reboot it? A good amount. It's been rebooted. It's been rebooted. But if, if you're back or you're back for the first time, welcome. Yeah. Um, subscribe. If you just are, if you just hit play, but you didn't subscribe, we hope you'll go hit the subscribe button what because like, we're doing one, this every one extra week. Button? It's one, one extra, extra button. button. Yeah. But a lot of people may listen on Spotify, but they don't go to the podcast app and hit subscribe. Right. But for right. us. Please do that. Go hit the subscribe and a yeah. like and a comment if you can. Yeah. And we have a – this is going to be um, – listen, It's it sucks for those of you who are tuning in because you just want to hear about Doom. Welcome, and I hate that um, it's this circumstance that has brought us together. But at the same time, Saif, we talked about this. This is why it's great that we're back. Yeah. So there is a forum for a proper salute. To an underground hip hop legend. One of my I always reference is one of my favorite moments in WANEP history, and it's a weird one. It's it's one of my dark favorite moments. Is we spoke to Snoop Dogg like a couple days after Nate Dogg had died, and I was like, "Where else would you get this moment?" You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like where? Like like talk to Snoop Dogg after Nate Dogg died, and it was like heartfelt. It was like on the radio we couldn't you couldn't get in-depth like that, 
You know what I'm saying? On MTV or any of those type of shows, it's just like, hey, rest in peace, and that's it. But we got well, like- on MTV, you know how hard it is to have a serious conversation about someone who died in the middle of an episode of Ridiculousness? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's the only thing, it's the only show. Yeah. So yeah. how do you squeeze that in between clips of like a baby falling over? And, Yo, how, and, that, and today- that, is just a, that is just America's Funniest Home Videos, right? But on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Okay. Basically, yeah. Internet yeah. version, yeah. No Saget, though. No Saget. And no well, Alfonso. Who? Alfonso Ribeiro. Oh, yeah. He has. He does it now, right? I don't know when it's done, but I've seen him on it. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, But listen, I am. I was not uh, fully in tune into, into this whole MF Doom universe. And what we've done so far, uh, talking about things on this podcast and this show... On this show. Yeah, go ahead. Call on this show. show. Call it a you show. podcast fuckers don't know how to broadcast. Right. On this show, this is a show, I've learned a lot about MF Doom, and, and, I, and I am so happy. And this is going to sound weird. I would love to do what we're doing now with Dilla. Ooh. One day. One day. One ep is one Dilla? One ep is Dilla. Because I'm learning so much, and like... I get it now. I get it way more than I did before, and I and I and I respected it before. Right, I just wasn't in tune with the music and and all the layers to it. Yo, I'm so glad you said that. That that would be an amazing thing to do. And those of us who know you, like our our friends of the show who know you, mm-hmm. they know that you don't know Dilla like that. Of course. So, like, if we were to have a a Q-tip, and a Quali, and right. a Quest Love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To talk about that. That would be... Teach me. Teach me. Because as much as I love... I, as much as I love Doom, I would say Dilla is certainly more in my true wheelhouse of things I was... I followed along closer, I guess, to Dilla. They're, they both are guys who have... They're both so prolific. They have so much material. Yeah. That, like, you could be a fan. It's crazy when you're such a prolific artist that you can be a, a fan and really just be a fan of a few albums. But there might be albums you haven't heard. Many. Like, like for example, I consider myself a huge Hall & Oates fan. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yo, the only album I listen to front to back... Greatest Hits. Is the, is the Greatest Hits. <laughs> I'm joking. a fr- no, the only yeah. one I listen to front to back on yeah. a regular basis. I may own the records. Yeah. I may flip through. But the very best of Hall & Oates is true. And I still consider myself yeah. a fan. Right. And I right. know I guess I could be a fraud relative to, you know, what's our man's name? Who was in the group? John. Mike? You're talking about John Oates? I'm just saying names because I don't know what you're talking about. The dude who we used to be friendly with, who was dating Katy Perry, and he has the Daryl, he has the Hall and Oates oh, tattoos on um, his hands. Travis McCoy. Yeah, Travis McCoy, yeah. Travi, as he's known. Yeah, I may be a fraud compared to him. Yo, but listen, even Paul Simon, who I've listened to, I mean, tons of his albums, and Graceland, I may listen to all the way through him. Most of the stuff that I'm really into are his hits. Most of it. No, I'm a I'm a Police fan though. I'm in I'm I'm in deep. I'm in I'm in B sides. Okay. Rarities, unreleased. I love the police. 
That sounded crazy. Can I we get love, a drop? Billy, I love the police. B- Billy, I need a drop. I know we're, we haven't really done drops on this show yet. I need you to cut that point. I'm not, not going to forget. And send me Sife saying, I love the police. It is, it is so crushing to his street cred. That only, I need that. only white people say street cred. Oh, only white man. people who don't have street cred. See, don't try. No, no, don't try to reverse it. Cred. I see. You know, I see what you're doing, and because I'm white, you can just flip it back so easily. I'm just saying. No. Nobody in the hood says street cred. That's that is a, so That's tr- a white fucking cornball no, right. thing. They're like, oh, you're gonna fuck up your street cred. What is street Yo, cred? Are you doing this as a bit, by the way? Like, have you done that? No, I should, right? Yes. Yeah. And but you can add it into. Only news reporters say 50 cent. Yeah, 50 cent. You, Todd, can you do that? Write yeah. this down. I give you good shit. No, That's I, a bit you're right, you're tied right. in street right. cred and 50 cent tied together. Nobody, 50 doesn't say 50 cent. Nobody does. Even at his most 50, he would go, it's 50, a.k.a. Ferrari. It's 50. He never said Fiddy. Never said Fiddy. F-I-D-D-Y never happened. Earlier today in Queens, the rapper Fiddy Scent was giving out turkeys to his former Queens neighborhood. <laughs> the Queens native, Fiddy, said it was an honor to be back in his old stomping grounds. So, so sir, why are you here today? Are you here to meet Fiddy Scent? Yeah, I'm here to see Fiddy. No one says Fiddy. Nobody. Really, really bothers me. feel very strongly about that. Uh, let's get things started. I'm going to play Sifo. Listen to this little joint. After the intro on Operation Doomsday, he hits the he goes right into the song Doomsday. Okay. Man, the start to this album is quality. Yeah. It's a it's a vibe. Sade. Oh. Yo, you're a lying piece of shit. What? Because you didn't listen. What do you mean? Because if you had listened when I sent this to you the other day, off top, you'd have been like, oh, shit, Sade. Oh, no, I mean, I only listened to the... Um, the to the, Mad, Mad Villainy? Villain one. Yeah, Mad Villainy. Oh, here we go. That the is Sade right there. I Science fiction with my man alive lifer. A pie 
Piper, holla a rhyme, a dollar and a dime. Do a sting, ring around the white collar crime. Get out my face, asking about my case, need toothpaste. Professor Mint, monkey style nigga to death today. And dope fiends still in their teens. Shook niggas turn witness. Real men's mind their own business. That's the difference between sissy pissy rappers is double dutch. How come I hold a microphone double clutch? COs make rounds, never have ox found on shakedown, lockdown, wet dreams of Fox Brown. On doomsday, ever since the wound, till I'm back where my brother went. That's what my tumor say. Right up on my government, Dumoulin. Either unmarked or engraved. Hey, who's to say? Yeah, he, ooh, where's the change going? Hold on, I forgot about hey, that. Ever since the wound, till I'm back to the essence. Read it off the tune. Ooh. Either engraved or unmarked grave. Who's to say? Pass the mic like Pastor P's like they used to say. Whew. Who does that? First of all, amazing song. Uh, I'm going to assume. I, you, I, I see you re-listening to that. Oh, I'm going to listen to that. I'm assuming none of that was cleared. The Sade sample? I don't think so. Sade you think Fondo with the BDP drums over with it? With the B- and the scratches? I don't think they cleared that. Okay. Let me ask you a question. All right. Uh, do we have our guests yet? No. Can we talk? We're talking shit, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. And by the way, I, I, two of our guests both have the Zoom number right now, so uh, okay. if people are late, they may run into each other. It is what it is. Here's, well, here's my problem. Go ahead. <clears throat> We're doing Wanep. Wanep is dead. We're back. Yeah, one up is We're Doom. We're doing it on Zoom for Doom. Zoom. Doom on Zoom. This is not related to Doom. No disrespect if this is what you're listening for. This is what I don't like. There's a little chat thing that pops up. Yeah. And Billy June, in, in, in the middle of listening to the guy who just passed away, teaching me about Doom, catching a vibe. Right. He writes a little message. We're going to have to cut a lot of this. Who? Who? Why? Why are you saying that now? <laughs> Just cut it later. Why are you ruining the vibe in the moment? Uh, I, 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 Billy June. I'm sorry. I have to agree with Sai. First of all, this isn't airing on fucking NPR. We're gonna be what's okay. What's gonna happen? You, Who's gonna the, sue us? Uh, yeah, for the song that's already not cleared in the first place. And, that's and on Spotify. Is that on Spotify? Is that the first album? Yes. So that's the the Fondalum Records. Yes, like, Operation Doomsday. So you think Bobito's gonna sue us, Billy June? Is that what you think? Yeah, I don't understand what the concern is. Who's gonna? Thing- where's the red flag of us playing that song? Who's snitching? Thank you, Billy June. He finally gave us an answer that makes sense. He wrote, "I'm just I'm gonna just go fuck myself now." <laughs> Thank you. You're now you're getting it. Yes, go fuck yourself, Billy June. Uh, We're in the middle. I find I got siphoned a vibe. I played a song that I knew would actually hit, and vibe. it did. Like, there's a dirtiness to. I don't say. Is it the mic? I no, guess it's, it's that mic it. that it's Curious was saying that he that he used. Like it's the mic it. just. It's the it's it's the scratches. It's the sit like. I've never heard anyone use Sade really well. It's like something about her music is not sampleable. And that was no. that was the best one. And he goes back to back. You talk about not being songs that you think of for samples. He goes straight from that to the now aforementioned and many mentioned always. Hey, yo, yo, y'all can't stand right here. In his right hand was your man's worst nightmare. Loud enough to burst his right ear drum close range. The game is not only dangerous, but it's most strange. You just wouldn't. And if, if you guys, if you've never heard the original 100 Ways, 
Um, I'll see if I can play it for a second before Billy June yells at me. No, because the James Ingram estate is coming after us. He might. Got it. Like, you don't hear this and go, oh, yeah, hardcore underground rap record. I see where you're going to go here. All right, fellas, here with someone you love right now. Grab her hand. Compliment what she does. Send her roses just because. If it's violin she loves, let them play. Oh, you better cut it off. Cut it off. Her favorite song. Hold her closer all night long. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The FBI is coming for you. <laughs> Find 100. It's just, he flips these records that you just don't be, you can't hear. Yeah. You can hear the beats fire. You can hear that the tones are fire. Yes. Like, you you could listen to the Sade record or 100 Ways and go, oh, yeah, yeah, there's... Yeah, but you can't think of how you would chop it. But here's the thing, though: what what would happen is you people overdo it. They'll take a shot a sample. They'll add too much shit to it, too much drums, add, add synthesizers, sample other shit. That shit is just straightforward. BDP drums, shot a sample chopped up. Let's go with the scratch. That's what in it, it is like less is more. Super cool, man. He just did so many things. He just did so many things well. Is he into wrestling? Was he into wrestling? Uh, you know, he he has a, he has wrestling references. Definitely because, enough. Uh, the, he referenced the, Kurt Angle, which the, is um, the West Side Gun, uh, West Side Gun MF Doom record. <laughs> oh, the West Side Doom. So here's some Victor Vaughn. This is the title track of Vaudeville Villain. Traveling vaudeville villain. You don't give a fly fuck who ain't not feeling them. Watch what you're dealing them. Ace King Death Card. Strong on the ball, man. Pardon the left guard. Get money and Pardon the left guard. Got much to Yo, what do we say? Crazy, weird New Yorker shit. No, that's New York shit. Pardon the that's left guard. You're on the yo, pardon the left guard. That's that fuck. if you say that anywhere else, you you something New York about you, man. Yo, and someone I've had someone recently, years after I was here, hit me with a left-handed dap. The level of disrespect I felt because what, they what didn't say. Oh, he was holding something, but because I didn't get that pardon, the left, uh-huh. you felt disrespected. After years being here, I was like, "Yo, my man, you can't just left-hand me like this." Are left-handed people still say pardon the left? No, of course not. Left-handed people don't say it? No, it's their only option. No, no. I think a left-handy in New York still has to say pardon the left. Wow. You think so? Yeah. I think if you're a left-hand, you write with your left hand, you jerk it with the left. Excuse me? And you go to shake someone's hand with that left, you got to say pardon the left. You know what this is. You're a fucking <laughs> mutant. Apologize for that. <laughs> It's not my fault you're fucking weird <laughs> and you jerk it with the wrong hand. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, they got um, to pardon the left. Pardon the left, God. 
I wonder if two left-handed people still shake right. Oh, because they're just used to they, it. Like if you just met for the first time. And then you find out, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you're left-handed, I too? I wonder if oh. there's, like, a left-handed, like, when two lefties meet, and they want, like, oh, man, and they shake with their left. It's like an inside joke. Like, ah, I left it. Right, like, they're excited to get to have this moment together because like, you know, no one's um, there to judge them. You know when dudes, like, black fraternities, when um when they have the same line number and they have their own secret handshake? You ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Not the fraternity handshake. Oh, but they have their own if you're line like, handshake. If you're like a number one on the line in your fraternity, they the ones have their own handshake, and the, and the numbers go on and on. So, like, only I, ones know that handshake. I did not know this. We, ne- we never had a handshake. Me and you? We never had a one-up. We need a one-up handshake. Yo, by the way, that's a great point. It may be part of the problem. Why we never fit? Why we never? Well, why you're disgraced. We never had a handshake. That's we need a nice, we need a, like, we need a, a like, a boom, 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 and then one of these, you know, this shit? When it goes up with the thumb. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I want to touch that lawn, though. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Nah, but that shit is, like, listen, I'm not into gang culture, but I do right. respect when they meet and they get the pop, 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 pop. I, I love it. I'm like, that's that's love right there. That's love. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> I, I, write this down. Write that down also, please. That's a very good bit. <laughs> I'm not really into gang culture, but I have a great respect for the handshakes. Juan <laughs> Epp is doom. It's so good. Juan Epp is it's, doom. I'm, I'm very, I don't get proud very often of things I come up with. This is, that name is something right there. Because it's, okay. it's perfect for doom, too. Bombs, so baby. We're, we're paying uh, respects and learning about doom. Saif, do you feel like you've learned something so far? Oh, I've learned a lot. Because I'm not the I'm not a Doom fan. So hearing all these stories and 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 uh you Wait, by the way, you are music, this is why I'm I love Saif. I'm getting into it. You are the opposite of everyone on social media. You are the opposite. Everyone on uh-huh. social media why? publicly claims to be a Doom fan. And doesn't listen at all. You publicly say nothing, acknowledge not being a true Doom fan, and then do work to learn. It's like, it's the exact way you're supposed to do it, as opposed to what everyone does. I don't, I have no shame. I like to learn things. I know he's a cultural icon. I respect how his fans go nuts for him. But I wasn't that guy. But now I hate that it's because of these circumstances. But you're supposed no, to that's go that. learn. You are about doing stuff. it the right way. And if you want to learn Doom, obviously we're talking to people who knew him well, who worked with him a lot, who helped start his career. But I also want to talk to someone who, among many things, amazing producer, artist, genius, etc., is a gigantic uh, Doom fan. And that is our friend, Just Blaze. What up, Just? Yo, what's happening? Oh, Just Blaze. Not what's much, up? man. Crazy, crazy last couple of days. Yeah. Well, it's been a crazy last couple of days because we lost a hip-hop icon. But also, for some reason, you went to extra work <laughs> to, to speak yeah, about Yeah, well, it. you know what? It, it was like I didn't want to make the room, like, you can put you in front of, like, the clubhouse the past couple of nights. 
you know, I wasn't really trying to, the thought crossed my mind, but um, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to go through that process, you know, like it was, it was just a lot, it was real heavy. And then a dude that I do know, yeah. shout out to uh, DJ Critical Hype, you know, the first thing, like he formed, he formed the room. So when I took two seconds to look at Clubhouse, I was like, oh, great. Somebody did it and it's somebody who, who makes sense to right. do it, you know, as a random. So yeah. I jumped in, not planning on it turning into what it turned into. What did oh, it turn man, into? Over the last two days, it's been at least, there's 40 if there's 24 hours in a day, I would say it's been about 25 to 30 hours. Wow. Of, of uh, you know, me, you know, like me playing a lot of the stuff that I have, stuff that people haven't heard, other DJs chiming in and stuff that they have, or people making requests, you know, and just actually playing yeah, music on You know, there. people making requests, fans sharing their fan stories, uh, uh, you know, friends and, and family telling some the, the ones who were able to compose themselves enough to speak, you know, telling their story. Um, some people who were very instrumental in his career who didn't share anything, just kind of tuned in and listened. Um, you know, like shout out, shout out to Bob. Bob was there, you know, Bob came to the stage, you know, didn't press him to say anything, just like he was happy, I think, just to to see the love being shared. Um uh, yeah. Scrolling down through the audience, you know, like I won't call people out, but there were many people of note that popped in throughout the course of the day and night, who have, who have been popping in throughout the course of the day and night. Um, you know, like actors, various celebrities, like who you would not expect to necessarily be in there. I love. That's one of my favorite things is when you find like some big actor or some superstar actor that's into like underground right, yeah, hip hop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's one of my favorite I, know, I, I don't know you. why I like it so much yeah. when they're like, oh, you like Socrates or yeah. you like you know what I mean? Like it's and, some ill shit. I think uh you we there are a lot more out there. There's a lot more of them out there than people will really realize. And I think, you know, it's due to yeah. the fact that these people are on a pedestal that is here. Like in terms of Hollywood yeah. and celebrity and being like triple A-list or A-list or, you know, having the biggest TV show out right now and having one of the biggest movies of the year and Doom exists in culture, subculture of a subculture. No one's asking about underground right. hip-hop in an right. interview to them. But if you right. did... Right, they that, 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 that's when they all, they all of a sudden they start rattling off song titles and lyrics. And, Yo, how do you know this? Yeah. And with me, to be honest, I got a lot of that. I actually think I got a lot. I got... I got a bit of that when I met all of them. You know, like, yeah. You figure, oh, when they yeah, do it to like, you. You think, like, this is like peak Rockefeller yeah. era, right? Like, 0203. Yeah. And my, I was familiar, obviously, with Zeb Love X, of course. And I was familiar with the Doom storyline up until that point, you know, kind of went into, into hiding, resurfaces as Doom. Got a couple of records with Bob. I actually had some of the, the final ones. Yep. They were cool, but I wasn't a super fan. I just, you know, I, I like. And um, yeah. the way we like all right hip hop, like underground right. hip hop, That's where like we, a lot of us come from, you know. So, like, I had Doomsday. Admittedly, had not listened to it through the whole thing. I was just a dude that would like every couple of months go to Fat Beats and buy everything significant. I might not get to it all, but you know, I would have yep. it. And then, um, and uh, my assistant 
you know, Dave, uh, he was a, he was our assistant engineer at Baseline. Like, you know, he was our our anchor at that at that point. And he was heavy, heavy into Doom. And he would play sometimes, and sometimes I would just be like, oh man, you in this Doom again. And then what happened was, uh, just to make it short, there was some live audio of Doom that leaked where he premiered way before it came out. He performed a bunch of songs from Madville yeah. way before the album actually came out. It was the first time that anybody had like had knew that him and him and uh, Otis or Madeline were, were working. So that audio leaked. Dave's playing it at the office, and as you know, as I'm listening, I'm, I'm in and out of the office listening to it, and it's cool. But when he hit the Mad Villain section and started playing those songs, that's when I was like, "Oh, okay." So from there, I kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole. And um, Dave, you know, Dave was knew, knew where to find all the leaks and everything. So he starts sending, you know, sending me like the actual leaks that were that were coming about from the studio album, but like the demo versions of them. And then um, fast forward a little bit further, and the official audio starts coming out, and some of the songs are a bit different from the demos that I had been listening to for the past eight months to a year. It's it's funny you say that. We just spoke to right. Peter Butter Wolf, and he was telling us he went back and right. changed. So I um yeah, Doom actually we recorded the entire album after they demoed the whole thing. He went and recorded the whole thing mm. over. He wanted to change his tone and change certain wanted to tweak certain things in the song. So I had demoitis when I heard the retail version because I had been listening to it and fell in love with the leaks and had gone down that rabbit hole of like going back and finding everything that I had missed over, you know, between the Fondome era and Madville. So fast forward a bit later, not, not too long after Madville comes out, I have a shoot in LA. I have a photo shoot and it was for LRG. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, sounds right. what I didn't know was that the other person that they were shooting with me was Madlib. So when I'm, so when I meet Madlib and Wolf and Egon and everybody, you know, we're all kind of in like a, a, we're shooting at the office, if I'm not mistaken, at the LRG office. They had a huge warehouse in Orange County, so we're in one of the areas, uh, like a holding area, and I kind of just casually was like, asked them like, "Yo, so why did you, uh, you know, we, we made the exchange pleasantries, and the very first thing out of my mouth after we exchanged pleasantries and introduced ourselves to each other is." So can I ask why y'all changed this vocal on all caps and took this scratch out? All caps was the first single from Madville. So immediately I start pummeling them with questions like, why did you change this hook? Why did you take this scratch? Why did you, on the commercial version, make this change? And they're kind of just looking at me like, how in the hell do you know it? First of all, how do you even know this music? Second of all, how do you... They were tripping that I knew the music. Because, because they, they thought tripping. of you as yeah. being commercial, just please, at that time. Exactly. So then they're like, and how do you know it to the extent of, you know, these little minuscule changes that we made that like nobody has ever picked up. Like little, it was little Mm -hmm. tiny super minuscule stuff. And I'm like, dude, like this is all I've been listening to for the past year, year and a half. So that's kind of what put us on the path to having our relationship. And so then uh, you fast forward a bit later, 
Mad Lib comes to town with Doom. They have a show. They invite me. I don't know Doom at all. And I had just gotten what was a homeo's stash. You know, he's who's a graffiti icon. Um, stash, yeah. I had been spending some time with him, and he had recently gotten into photography and videography. So I bought the same camera that he had bought when we were out in Hong Kong. So this is my first time taking this camera out, if I'm not mistaken, like in public. So I'm at this show, and I just happen to have the camera in the bag. So I'm off to the side, like in the little VIP area, snapping pictures, taking video clips. And Ben, um, who was like Doom's right-hand man, you know, up until from the beginning to the end, Ben, who's actually also just a, a very big, imposing guy, like he's Doom's hype man when he performs, he, he turns to me like on stage, on the mic, and he's like, Yo, homie, I know you cool and all. You must be cool because you're in this section, but no videos, don't no, no, no nothing. And he says it on the mic. And the, the funny thing is, is there's people in the audience that know that it's me. I love so, this. like in the Doom, in the Doom forums, a few people are like, yo, did y'all see get just just blazed yeah. by then? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he, he know, know you cool. were just blazed. Like, homie, I know you're cool. You must be somebody because you're, you're here. Right. right, not trying to disrespect you, but no pictures. Right. Right. So right. afterwards, you know, at stage, we meet, and that's when he was like, oh, yo, my, my bad. Like, I didn't realize that was you, blah, blah, blah. He, and I was like, dude, I, I totally get it. Like, you don't even have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah also, like, so what? Yeah, like, you don't have, no pictures, that, it's fine, thing. yeah. You're MF cool, Doom, and I already yeah. get it because I'm a fan, you know? Right. So, yeah, so it was like, yeah. this was totally, like it wasn't even a question. So we would stay in touch, you know, like, via, uh, you know, via text here and there. And, um, you know. On, just on some cool, it was never like, yo, let's, it wasn't like a let's work kind of thing. It was just like mutual respect, you know, and, and built a relationship. So when he came back to uh, New York the next time, he was playing uh, De La Soul. Him and De La Soul did uh, Central Park, the summer stage. So they hit me up, they're like, yo, you want to roll? I'm like, yeah, of course. So I go to the show with them. And um, afterwards, I was like, yo, so what y'all trying to do? And they were like, yo, we we'll go to the studio. So we went to the studio and we banged out a few ideas, you know, none of which have ever really ever been played publicly with the exception of one. Um, this is one of like a, for, for auto personal, this was wild to me. So let's go back to, I don't know, 1985, maybe. Um, I think I'm like six, seven years old. My mother used to take us in the summer sometimes to a Sesame Place in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. It's like a, for those who don't know, it's a Sesame Street theme um, theme park. Theme park. So, you know, every theme park, you know, has the hustle where they have the gift shops everywhere, whatever. So when we're on the way out, we go into the gift shop and, you know, she's buying each one of us a souvenir. I didn't want a souvenir. They had this, they had a Sesame Street record. And even at that age, I was always all about records. So my mom buys me this record that I asked her to buy me. And at seven years old, I hear this one track on the record, and I'm like, it's a it's a cookie monster record. But it's some it's gotta it's gotta it's gotta break. And at that age, I was like, yo, one day I'm going to do something with this. Like I, at that point, I'm becoming aware of what DJing is, and I don't know anything about actual production, but like, you know, my father played keys, so I would always follow behind him. Like I was musically aware. From a very early age, so I was and I knew what I wanted to do, even though I didn't know 
what it was called and what it consisted of, but I knew that I wanted to make music with music you know, or make music out of music. Right. And I, at that age, I was like, I'm going to do something with this one day. So you fast forward, by the time I'm now with Doom, um, he had a song, he was on his next album, uh, Food. And there's a song on that album called Cookies. So while we're sitting there in the studio, the light bulb goes off and I'm like, oh my God, Cookies. That record, I, I still have my record from when I was seven years old. And it just so happened that I had went to visit mom a few weeks before that and found that record like in the attic. And I was like, oh, I gotta bring this back home. So the record was sitting in Baseline. So in our, you know, we're sitting in the, in the B room at Baseline, just chopping it up. And all of a sudden the light bulb just went off like, yo, he has to rhyme on that Cookie Monster. And that's, you know, the conversation about us possibly doing something was very loose. But um, I play him, I had looped up the Cookie Monster thing and added some bridge to it and I played it for him. And he was like, when he heard that, and I was like, he heard the break, he heard the way I had chopped up the Cookie Monster vocals, and I'm like, and the idea is we just do Cookies Part Two. You know, I actually, I'm sorry, I hadn't played it for him yet. I just told him the idea. I had this break. It's got Cookie Monster on it. Cookie Monster is already on the record rhyming about cookies, <laughs> and he's looking at me like, get that time. like I, I, I'm like, yes, you not. I have a sesame with with Cookie Monster rhyming about cookies. So he's like, play it. So I play it for him. He's like, yo, hook that up right now. Let's go. And knocked it out. Like, uh, did some initial writing there, took it back with him. And like a couple of days later, sends me back a finished version of it. And along with a few other demos, you know, scratch ideas, other things that I had, that I had put together for him. And, um, you never got around to like really finish. Like it was one of those things where you know you run into somebody and you're like, "Yo, we got to get back to mm-hmm. doing X, Y, and Z." You know, and every time that I'd run into him or run into Ben, that was always the thing. Like, "Yo, one day we got to get back to and finish those ideas." And you know, the the, the irony in all of this is I spent a lot of quarantine rounding up a lot of old ideas, unfinished ideas, things that I had started with artists and not finished, with the idea of like doing some kind of a you know, people have asked for years and years and years, at this point, almost a decade, like, yo, please, your hard drives are like infamous for having all of this stuff on it. Like, can you please get something? So my thing was in 2021, maybe I start doing that on a monthly basis, like a monthly drop for the whole year. You know, things that people haven't heard that have been fabled or rumored or whatever. And over the past week and a half, two weeks, you know, I, I told Ben this when I was on the phone with him you know, on the, uh, the day that the news finally broke. It was just like, so it's really funny that that uh, that you know this is happening. That Ron, it's unfortunate that we're on the phone in these circumstances. That's what's also kind of wild to me is that you guys have been on my mind heavy the past week and a half, two weeks, and wow, you know just how it's always been throughout the years. Whenever these songs cross my mind, it's like oh, I'll reach out to them tomorrow. Oh, I'll reach out to them tomorrow. I'll reach out to them tomorrow. And yeah. you know over the past two weeks. Uh, I was going through the server and I found the folders of some of that stuff and I was like, I need to reach out to them, but this time I actually need to make it a point to over the holidays reach out to him, you know, and have him reconnect, reconnect me and Doom um, just so, you know, we can work something out and figure out getting these records out to the people and do it in an official 
capacity, not just like throwing something up on SoundCloud, but making it a real release and making good on the conversations that we had so long ago. And, years ago. And, years ago. Uh, yeah, years so, ago. you know, uh, I kind of like, you know, the news broke and I'm like, damn, was that his spirit like tapping me on the shoulder on the way out? Because I hadn't even thought about that stuff yeah. until recently. Is, you know, but, but, yeah. when, but when it hit me to, to do it, I'm like, yo, I, I'm going to make it a point to over the holidays when I, when I know that everybody's at home with their families or everybody's at least, and, you know, some people are quarantining, but point is people are staying in. The holidays, at least a good time to, that holiday break is a good time to make that phone call, have that conversation. Is this? And then this happened. So I say all that to wow. say, you know, even though we all know this and, you know, we say sometimes some, somebody passed and somebody, you know, whether it's, there's somebody, yeah, exactly like what you, you can't say. always count on like being able to call that person tomorrow, you know, or call them next week. Yo, my problem with what you're saying right now is we there's always happens exactly. when somebody That's what passes, and we don't, and we don't. You, we gotta do it. You gotta stick to it. You gotta reach yeah, out to those like, people. You know, it's that 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 that's what the, that's on me. And I I gotta I gotta eat that. You know, like the fact that like, yeah, you know. I put off something that could have been done years ago. Years ago. That I always intended on doing yeah. when we both had time. So, you know, we're both busy people. You know, I move around, he he moves around, and I should have made a better effort to, you know, to 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 ex- do that outreach. And like you said, it's something that we say every time somebody passes, and everybody's it's, it's like New Year's resolution. Yep. Everybody's about all about them for the first few weeks, and then it just goes back to business as usual. What is somebody, what's the just is this? It something? What is this? Let's see. Yeah, okay. I have, I play a little bit of it on Shade Forty Five. Um, many years ago, I want to say years ago. Yeah, years ago. It might years have ago. been maybe because I've done a few takeovers on Shade Forty Five on different shows. It might have been the same night I premiered Exhibit C, mm. which when I did that, you know, because that that was premiered on on uh, on Tony's show on Shade. And I want, I kind of right. feel like Paul's pie to nice dreams for real. You can see the steam off his nice mean grill. A ill flick of hardcore Lorna Dune. Hot on Lorna Dune. Just plays radio. Just Lorna Dune. For the bootleggers. He's forcing with the Thank you. Go sideways, as they say, even though it's little. At least he gets to figure out the riddle in the middle. Once in a blue moon could use a good nutter butter. Even if it's homemade, amateur with no cutter. He's going go out to the old man at the Navy bar. And the child standing with his hand all in the cookie jar. Respect your drop game. Respect your exclusiveness. Oh, yeah, I had to drop yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, I knew it was something that if, I couldn't just play it straight through. I didn't even play the whole song. But, you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was the night I premiered Exhibit C. And I played a lot of unreleased stuff that night, but what, when I played Exhibit C, it just overshadowed Yeah, me. well, that sort of changed everything. everything. Right. Like that, that I, that I might have played that night. And it's funny because the only reason I even played Exhibit C is because I ran out of records. Like, I had done an hour in, in change of, you know, my hits, um, you know, some sleeper cuts, and then a bunch of stuff that hadn't that had never been heard before. I couldn't go from that to just playing random records. I kind of had to keep it in the same vein. So, right. So I, I only played Exhibit C because I didn't have anything else to play. And played it, you know, the rest obviously wow. was history, but that... uh. Yeah, that that's how that record ended up, you know, even making it to the world because I ran out of stuff to play. Can you um, so t- take us through, like, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Doom fan. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a 
psychopath, but I'm a I'm a big Doom fan. Um, right. Sife is not, um, and he's getting right. for, and is learning a lot today. What right. you are like the perfect person to talk to because you sort of epitomize the the hip hop culture nerd slash mixed with nerd for everything sort of cool and niche and inside. Right. Is it just that Doom hits? What do you say? But successful. But successful. Is, but successful. Doom seems to hit on every sort of cylinder when it comes to amazing rapping, amazing beats. It's it's niche. It's its own world. It mixes comic book characters. Like, did he just hit on every part of, like, your feel center? You know what it was? I mean, A, it's, it starts with the beats and runs, right? So it's like beats are dope. The rhymes do. Right. Those are the two most important parts of, of, of our culture, right? But then when you get beyond that and start to peel back the layers of, well, I should just let me say the, the rhymes are dope is an understatement. Like, I'm not selling that. Well, not really. It's the rhyme schemes, the patterns, the things that he thinks of. His brain was just was clearly, obviously, not normal. You know what I mean? And the more you get to know him as a person or know about him as a person, if you don't meet him, if you're just, you know, on the outside, like I was saying last night, like he was a guy, he's one of those rare guys who knew a lot about a lot. It came out in his music. You could hear it. Right. And, and you would hear it in his music. And as somebody, you know, like myself, who's kind of along those same lines, not as prolific as him, I probably don't know as much about as many things as he does or did, you know, but like, I'm like, wow, somebody's actually rapping about these kind of things that like, you don't normally hear people rap about, aren't necessarily normally. Mm-hmm. It's not even about you don't hear them rap, hear people rap about them. A lot of people just go over people's heads; they don't get the reference, you know. So you had that element of like him actually being a smart, knowledgeable dude, him being rooted in the era that he came from, where you know knowledge itself was was a was a was a, a pillar of rap in that at that time. Him still carrying over those lessons and those beliefs into his modern music appeal to me just because it harkens back to the era that I come from, right? I love the story of, you know, I hate the story of his brother dying, but I love the story of the disappearing and resurfacing, you know, as this scarred individual, you know, who's, who's now back on a warpath and came to destroy rap, as he used to put it, you know, like on the warpath. Um, but then also, like I said, once you get past the story, once you get past the actual content of the rhymes, you look at the fact that like, he was literally building his, we call them universes now, you know, where it's like, there's the Marvel universe or the Star Wars universe or, you know, whatever. Like he was literally building his own universe with himself as all these different characters, you know, and with, you know, in his collaborations with Grimm and the Monster Island Czars and like, where, you know, all these guys were taking on the, 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 they all had their regular rap identities, but when they were in, in universe, they were taking on, you know, whether uh, the, the identities of these different kaiju, the different monsters, you know, whether it was Rodan or Gigan or, you know, or, or and he was King King Ghidorah, who was Godzilla's main main nemesis, you know. Um, I didn't even realize that that's what King Ghidra was was actually a play was actually Godzilla's main nemesis. Yeah, yeah, it was King. It was, it was a play on King Ghidorah, mm. you know, um, and and providing that platform for all these other artists and doing like the King Gitara album and and um and having them all in character as these different artists on the album. It's it's world building. So you already have Doom. Then you have 
King Ghidorah. Then you have, uh, you know, the other guys from the crew who are playing these roles. And then all of a sudden, he brings the mad villain aspect of into it. Now he's playing the role of this, of this, uh, of the villain, you know, which is a whole different personality than, than, um, than, uh, than Doom or than, or than King Ghidorah. But then in between those albums, he, uh, I forgot, he also had Victor Vaughn. Yep. Can't forget you know, which was Victor Vaughn. Right. But then he has records on Mad Villain where he's rhyming as Victor Vaughn dissing Doom. And wait, hold on. All, the, all these names you're saying are different. Yeah. So, so, so the way he, he breaks it down really quickly would be Doom is like the older street cat um, villain, but like. Um, you know, wise to the street and been around the way. He, he sees Victor Vaughn as like the younger up and coming sort of looks up to Doom, but also talks shit about him like, all right, you're the old man. You don't know what's up because Victor Vaughn was young. And then King Ghidra is like the he's not from this world. He's like a fucking monster. But but he would make records as yes. King Ghidra, like, so like, there's a Victor, like there's a and, Doom album. And, there's two Victor Vaughn albums. There's a King Ghidra album. But the Victor Vaughn album is not an no, MF Doom album. No, if you go on iTunes right now, you have to look up it. Victor Vaughn. Right. If I look up MF Doom, I won't find the Victor no, Vaughn one. It's no. not related. If you're in, looking in, for a Doom album, wow. you got to search Doom. You're looking for a King Ghidra album, you got to search King Ghidra. You're looking for a Victor Vaughn album. And, and did he rap? That's what I was about to say. So when you really start to peel back the layers of it, they all kind of had, aside from having distinct personalities and distinct content, the flows were also a little bit different for each one. You know, like, and then he gets back into that character on Mad Villain. You know, he the uh, fancy clown, he's rapping as Victor, um, talking to his girl, and he's mad at his girl because his girl's been cheating on him with Doom. But he's rapping in the Victor Vaughn cadence. Voice isn't changing, but if you know the flows, there's a, a difference in the cadence. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not like one of those things like, we'll say, for example, like when Madeline raps as Quasimodo. Right. It's, it's definitely not that overt. You have to be more of a head to, to be checking for the changes. Right. Exactly. Like you really have to have done, done, done a little homework to really analyze. So, you know. Wow. He, that's, yeah. That's so, you know, and then he was talking about doing. The KMD album, where we might have gotten like a bit more of the Zev Love X persona back, you know. So my point is, is that he was world building or universe building, where you know he kind of existed as all these different characters, and then he had, you know, the additional characters. What, what would he do? What he do of if there was if you went to an MF Doom show, right. would he do a Victor Vaughn record or so, perform as? Funny that you should ask that. This actually reminds me of um, one show he did because I used to like collect all the a lot of the audio from a lot of different shows. And that's what I was saying. I was telling Rosenberg he's like the Grateful Dead, where like the live versions their become own their things. own exactly. subculture. So like yeah. during one show, I forget which one it was. It might have been uh, one of the San one of the San Francisco shows. He's performing, you know, the crowd, he's, he, he's big on crowd interaction. And some somebody had asked him, like, yo, what's up with Victor Vaughn, whatever, whatever. And he's like, nah, Victor's not here right now. Like, you know, he would keep those things separate. Like, now that I think about it, in all the show audio that I have, I don't think I've ever heard him perform 
So I'm not saying he hasn't, but I can't recall um, him uh, performing any Victor Vaughn records. That is yeah, like it is, but it's funny. Yeah, like one at one show that he was asked, he was asked that at one show, and he was like, "No, nah, Victor's not here." You know, so like I said, it was just very creative world building, very creative storytelling, and also, and you know, people who understand this more than Rosen, um, more than a new site, but like one of the other things, the way he built his narrative through these albums, well, a lot of the al- albums. He sourced and spliced and chopped up a lot of movie dialogue. Car- car- I mean, I, it's like an endless. Man, it's it's like going to the. It's like going to the uh, history, the American History Museum, like right. or, or the or the museum of, of television, yeah. of film and television. It's like it's like but, everything. Yeah. Right, but also the, the way he was doing it, it's seamless. Where you think it's all coming from one place, right? But then you realize, like these three words are from this cartoon. These three words are from this TV show. The, this response, this response really? is from an old, you know, uh, uh, flick. But then, like this part right here is from Spider-Man and his amazing friends, you know. But in this wow. one little bit of dialogue that maybe lasts thirty seconds, you just got hit with references from six different shows. But they all complete one scene or one transition. Right, well, that leads thought, to a yeah. narrative, and these are sprinkled throughout the entire album. And, but, so, and listen, and, and speaking of which, like, say, for example, you probably didn't think of it in this context. L- let's just play for a second the the Mister Hood Cam D intro to right. their album. Right, this is how it all started for Cam uh, D uh, on the Mister Hood album. It's such an interesting thing. Like, don't get me wrong. There's versions of this like that have been done by other people. You know, like obviously here Wu Tang did it, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a different this is a different level sort of altogether. Here we go. Let's enter this jewelry shop. Come on, Mr. Pickle man, hook it up. Fourteen K Duff bracelet. I can't be No, I cannot do that. This is not a pool shop, this is Pickle's jewelry. Ah, Mr. Hood, my favorite customer. What can I do for you today? I would like to see some gold rings. Ah, uh, yes, we have these stupid fat gold rings, perfect for your masculine hands. Some earrings from my wife. How about these elephant-studded diamond earrings, perfect for the woman of your dream. And a watch for my cousin. Ah, uh, yes, we have a Rolex. That Let's is a see, beautiful watch. No, actually, it's 2,336. Many thanks for your help. people. My name is Mr. Oh. Hood. Hmm. What is your name? Yeah, I'm Zumbuff X from KMD. <laughs> I am pleased to meet you. Oh, yeah, likewise. Uh, yeah, how you doing anyway? Perfectly well, thank you. Uh, and you? Oh, I'm just chilling, <laughs> you see. Uh, but I got one problem. I come in here to pawn this bracelet. See, because this Robin for Nichols business ain't making it. <laughs> what I need is a job. Uh, where you work at? Uh, they hiring? Follow this avenue. Yeah. Turn right at the corner. Uh-huh. Go to the left when you reach the square. Yeah. It is the house next oh. to the theater. <laughs> I don't want to work young. Would you care for a spoon? No, go. I don't deal with They them. are not too expensive. As a matter of fact, this reminds me of the days of dwelling with those who killed off the weak for fancy clothes and hoes, too. Not opposed to the picket fence dream. Man, and that's the very beginning. I mean, that's as far back as you can go. That's them at like 18 years old. Right. You know, but one of the things that we were discussing on here, wow. uh, or on, 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 you know, in, on the last few nights on Clubhouse, and this is a point that I've always made is that like when you end up as an artist if you're a, a true creative who has as many creative people when they put out their first album 
sometimes people always wonder why, why, why the sophomore jinx is a thing. And it's really because if this is something you wanted to do with, with your life for that long, you've been actually making that first album. Your whole life. Exactly. Yep. Right. Like you've been collecting, like the same way I'm talking about, you know, like collecting this cookie monster or getting this cookie monster break at six years old and knowing that one day I'm going to do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like one you've day, been preparing yeah. for that album. You've been stockpiling ideas throughout your formative years and your adolescence and whatnot. And all of that comes out on that first album. Right. Well, it, but like, it, yeah. It's not just putting your all into it. It's, it's the culmination of your life experience up until that point. You know what I mean? So, right. so then you try to drop your next album and it's only been nine months. So you just emptied the entire well and now it's right. been nine, nine months. Right. Yeah, and all you're doing is promoting. You haven't even lived any life. Last record, so you didn't really right. live so life. I, I actually had a conversation with him about that one night um, with, with Doom, because this has been a, this is a oh. consistent thing through all of his albums, and it's like, and it was just always amazing to me that it was like, yo, how do you, you might in one skit pull from ten different TV shows or in, in movies and literature and whatever, yeah. and he's like, yo, like I don't really do anything. This is all I do, like when I'm at home. There's TV's always playing, whether it's me playing something from my old VHS collection, whether it's the TV playing, whether it's just I'm listening to an album of dialogue, a spoken word album, you know, an album of speeches or just an album with breaks on it. Like I'm just it's there's something always constantly playing. And as I come across things, I either make yeah. a mental note or a physical note, like I check it off somehow, you know, like put it in, put it in the notepad. So when it when I have to get back into that creative zone, I have all the references, a lot of these references already. And when that's all you constantly do, you might go back and pull something from six, seven years ago. Like, yo, wait a minute. This song idea makes yeah. sense for that yeah. idea. Oh, I forgot about right. that movie. You know, like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, like, even like, I was talking to one of the other homies, um, Dave, that uh, Dave from TV on the radio. If anybody knows that group, they're um super sem seminal um, group. And he was kind of the core behind that. Um, um, Funny enough, Doom lived with him when he was recording um, the album uh, Born Like This, um, which is another one. Of yeah, yeah, Josh, where did that album, where did Born Like This come out? What late, what was that from? Uh, I think that might have been on Lex Records, which was a UK. Okay, so that's what I thought. So it was a UK album. Got it. So I was trying to figure out where the Dilla stuff came from exactly. Right, yeah. Um. So if anybody remembers Warp Records, which is a huge, you know, legendary uh, UK indie, um, uh, Warp, uh, Lex was a sub subsidiary of Warp initially. I think the dude behind it eventually went on to do his own thing, but initially, it initially came, it was initially a subsidiary uh, of, of Warp Records. And that's what that label, uh, that's, that's who put out uh, Born Like This. So like I've known Dave, for years, like from when me and him were on the cover of Herb Magazine back in like 05 or something. And we had lost touch over time and then recently had reconnected, I don't know, during quarantine we reconnected. Ran into each other on social media, like in somebody's live stream and just got back in touch. And, you know, he told me that, you know, he was, you know, like, uh, Dave's not necessarily known for hip hop, but he makes really dope hip, like left, left and center hip hop stuff. Mm -hmm. So when he told me that, you know, him and Doom were roommates for a, for a while, like that actually makes sense. If, if anybody knows you personally, that makes sense. Um, even though he's not known necessarily known for his hip hop production. Um, or it's not the person you think of when you think of it. Anyway, 
So when he he told me a story one day of uh, while you know they were while they were living together and while Doom was working on that album, um, you know he would actually obviously have free free access. You know, you know he would be able to work in Doom in Dave's studio or whatever you know he wanted. The studio was in the house. So Dave was saying like two years after Doom had moved out, he went to his studio computer, like going through an old, he found an old hard drive of his and Doom had been spending all of his time in that studio just stringing together dialogue. Like it was like tons and tons and tons of snippets from different movies. Like he wasn't in there making, not to say he wasn't in there making beats or that he didn't make any beats while he was in there, but he spent a lot of that time just stringing together dialogue from various records, TV wow. shows and whatnot, and it's stuff that Duke never used. And he's sitting there like, I didn't even know I had this. You know, like, I'm, I'm gonna try to get my hands on wow. some of it and respectfully see if we can find out the correct way to share it. But like, just to give people a glimpse into how his mind worked, what his process was like when he was doing these things, you know, again, it has to be done with respect and with approval of, you know, his wife and, and you know, in the, in the estate and whatnot. But it's, it's wild that like, he said there's literally hours of this stuff, you know. So the same way, the same way he was as focused as, as he was on making his beats and whatnot, the storytelling through the use of existing dialogue and chopping it, chopping it up was just as much a part of his signature, you know, sound and uh, and, and ethos. What did he do beat wise like that was special to you or that you know maybe you learned from or tried to emulate? Like, was there anything sort of unusual? Yeah, Doom, Doom? the producer. Oh man, there's so much. I mean, you know, if I had to think of a few off the top, we'd be here all day. Um, uh, Rhymes Like Don's, where he chops up uh, uh, Quincy Jones and James Ingram. um, 100 Ways, yeah. Right. And it's like, you know what it was? These records that you would never think to rap on, especially in that era, like Doomsday came out in like, the fat beats era. It's very jazzy. <laughs> it's such a fire. It's such a fire record. Yeah, like, and so when you when you strip, his rhymes are amazing on it, but when you strip that away, in that era, to even think of rhyming on a James Ingram record, like, and that record, it's not even something you would listen to and say, yeah, somebody should rhyme to me. But he found a way to do it and just make it seem natural and perfect. And and um, that was a, a lot of his, like, like you, you think about it, even going back to the first single, you know, like, what an N-word, no. He's got the drums from the gas face, if I'm not mistaken, over Jody Watley's Looking for a New Love, the intro. You know, like, <laughs> who would think to do that, especially in that era when everything was so jazz-heavy and breakbeat-heavy? Here comes this guy recycling, like, sampling actual rap records and then throwing late 80s R&B bass lines in, you know? And, um, and also, that song fascinates me because, like, the idea that they were like, yo, we got a single idea for our next album. Okay, cool. Let's hear it. What does it sound like? Well, here's what we have. Nigga today. Nigga today. And there's gonna be a nigga. 
Yo, a nigga know the game. What a nigga name, Black. X like the flick slick. What a nigga click V. The core, CM crew. What a nigga do. Let the monkey out the zoo. Who's on my back now? Repeat, I'm the X. A biggie, not a biggie. Past that 40, man. I'm tempted to swig. Same shit for after the gig, you dig. Buds like figs. Pick out sticks and twigs. Like some pick out wigs. I jigs like a shank. I like it's that. It's so crit. That record's crit. I, I didn't like wait. That. That's that's Jody. That's the same sample as Jody Watley. No, that that is. But that's Jody Watley. That's looking for. I'm looking for a new love. That's, right. that's Jody Watley. But if you the the baseline, all the music is Jody Watley. So if you get the 12 inch version of Looking for a New Love, that's how it starts. It's, it sounds like a it sounds like a like a like a uptown DJ no, with a yes. so blend like that. Funny, somebody actually said this the other day. He was like, "Yo, he was basically like that's that's something Ron G would have did, right? Yeah, like a Ron G, like the drums from this, the intro from right. this, and then an acapella. But like, so like, imagine like like go back to what Peter was saying. Like, so the label's like, "Yeah, so what's your single?" And that's what you play. Shockingly, that album <laughs> never made it out. <laughs> Like, it never came out. Yeah, Wait, that's, that's Black Bastards. So the, the that's single the came out for that, yeah. and then that was it. Nothing else ever officially yeah. ever came out. Yeah. Right. Well, it yeah, did officially come it, out yeah. like... Years later. Yeah, like like 20 or like 15 years later or whatever. Years ago. Yeah, yeah years But ago. years right. later. Years ago. Right. So like, going back to the production stuff, you know, very unorthodox, but still not. Um, another one was, um, hey... Which was on Fondalum, where he samples the Scooby Doo thing, you know. And what's interesting about that is that Lord Finesse used it around the same time, probably a little bit before. Oh yeah, I um, love that. And the way Finesse did it was dope. I love that Lord but Finesse. But Finesse's record. thing was like all the slick, where it's like you just think it's a dope baseline, and then he puts hard drums under it. Whereas Doom's yeah. approach was, no, I'm making it obvious. Like I have, like I have oh, Scooby Doo. I have Scooby Doo going. Oh. You know, have to record it and, and yeah, hey, like, Scooby! Like, he's putting it all out there on front. <laughs> yeah, Lord Finesse yeah, just Lord sounded Finesse dark. dark. Whereas, boom, boom, right, whereas Doom was, like, quirky and comical, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, it had a, uh, is that it? Oh, I remember that. I have this. And God, Sife, if any sound can embody what 90s indie records playing at Fat Beat sounded like, it's that. Exactly. Yeah. It was that. Yeah. I saw right. a lot so of those. So then right. you had that. Um, like I said, I, I could go on and on, but if, if I think if you were to pick a couple that kind of just embodied what made him so dope as a producer, there's that. And then just overall, going back to what I was saying about constantly listening to music, constantly listening to dialogue and whatnot. And, piecing these collages together in his head. When you go back and do the research on the stuff that he sampled, so much of it was like records that us as record collectors pretty much all have or have seen or know of. They're not like super expensive, like rare $100 records. It's like stuff you would find in the dollar bin, you know, at an at a yeah. A1 or a sound library or, you know, at any like random garage sale even. But the, it was like just one part that nobody paid attention to because it it's not a break, you know, but he would find that yeah. little one section, that little one and a half second loop in there that 
made perfect sense to rhyme on for him, for his rhyme scheme, you know? Um, I could want so much just about his, his production and the way he modeled and structured his business where like he was put, building his own library like through the Special Herb series. So when people started to take note of him and want beats from him, like, yo, let me buy some beats from you or, you know, send me a beat tape. And he's like, I got 10 beat tapes out. Yes. Buy them or here, take them. Whatever you like, I license it to you. Which is why you see, like, sometimes beats of his will pop up on two or three different albums. I did not realize uh, until I, I, ne- I never listened to all the Special Herb stuff. Right, so, it's, so it's I, a lot. It's a lot to take in. So I did not realize, for example, that this joint came from that this came from one of those beat tapes. Uh, let's see. Uh, this? Yeah. I only knew it as this. Hey yo, here's a little story, get a love situation About a girl I met who had many temptations She was so fly, get high, well understood Big ass, big brains, and straight out yo, the Hey yo, I woke up in the morning, took a stretch and a yawn Had a two o'clock appointment with this girl named Dawn She ain't the Avon lady, but her beauty was strong Right before she went to rest, she had me singing this song She must be a special lady And a very exciting girl <laughs> Yeah. So I guess so. That's from Where Fish is that Scale. From? Yeah, it's like one of my favorite songs on oh. Fish Scale, and I didn't realize that that came from that. That joint was already out. Yeah, yeah. It was all all of those beats on there were already out. Like the 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 the, the dual beats. The uh uh. So fun fact, like a bunch of that album we did at Baseline was mixed at Baseline. So like one one of the most one of what, the most uh, underrated things? albums in history, in my opinion. By the way. Like I remember the night that uh they sent the files over for nine Millie Brothers, which was the Wu Tang record, which was it was dope that we were finally getting a record with all nine of them or you know, all nine of Wu on a record uh, or on an album again. But it was over a dope ass Doom beat. Like <laughs> and I think Doom was like Doom doesn't sound like Rizzo by any means, but I think he captured a lot of that same energy that was, you know, that you could compare to early Rizzo. You know what I mean? Like, doom beats don't sound like early music beats, but there's a synergy in the energy that they brought out of them. You know, so it was it was a good compliment to to the Wu Tang sound. Wow. Um, yeah, that, I remember, like, nine Milli you know, Brothers off of a uh, fish scale. Yeah, that was that. That's what I think. The uh, I'm trying to remember, there was a big argument that night. Not a big argument, but it was a debate in that night in the studio because most times Doom when he would do a beat for you. Again, most times it just all came off a of special herb, so people were just rhyming to the two tracks. Like, right. There was no multi-track. And for whatever reason, um, I forget how it came up, but we ended up getting the multi-track for that beat for Nine Millie Brothers. And the big debate was, does it sound better or are we are we losing part of the essence by, or, is, or will part of the essence be lost by mixing it from the multi-track as opposed to just using the two-track? Right. The multi-track was what was used I preferred it over just the two track. Yeah, it felt, it felt a little bit more raw. And you a DJ but though? I think for me this was more so the 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 I guess you know DJ producer hand in hand. But for me the producer in me felt like when you 
feels like some in some cases when you take a beat that's already been done and it's out there in its raw yeah. essence, and then you literally break it all the elements apart just to put them back to put them back together. Yep. Sometimes you yeah. lose that essence. Bro, you even lose people don't even realize you lose yeah. the air of the tape that the day was exactly. recorded and make you know what I mean? Like there's so much little shit in there that you lose. Like you change the EQ just a little you and you could change the whole record. fucking tune. Yeah. And you won't even know why. You can't you can't put your finger on it. Cohesion. Just... Like and I had to learn that, you know, I wouldn't say the hard way, but I had to learn that. Like, you know, there's a couple of records of mine that are out that are just straight two tracks. Like Touch the Sky is a two track, you know, and we I, I almost could have guessed that. Yeah, it's a two track, and yeah. we we did a full on mix. You know, every element separated and spread out across, you know, the, the console and whatnot. Yep. And Jay was like, "Nah, like I just like the original." And at first, I'm like, "Yo, he's wild and he's tripping." But years later, going back and listening to my mixed version that he rejected versus the two track, I was like, "Yo, he was a thousand percent right." Like we lost the essence of the feeling. Same with um, I really mean it, two yeah. track, um. Mm. Um, and we, that was another really one where we mixed it, it oh, yeah. but just loved the two track better. Um, what was the Eric Sermon record? React, same thing. Like, God. yeah, God. we mixed React, it, really? and, and the two track just felt better. And there was no way to create that, recreate wow. that energy of two track the drum machine, the two track out king. of the sound module. Mm. So there was no way to recreate that when you break it apart. So we just said, Bring up the vocals. Yeah. We'll mix the vocals against the two track. Yeah, I love that there was a moment in history where, like, on a commercial level, Eric Sermon was fucking scorching. Yes, like, yeah, like that happened. Very... There was yeah. there were three records back to back where Eric Sermon was a commercial hit maker. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's and it's and again at that point that was you know his that was fifteen years into the game for him. Yep, you know what I mean, which is something you yeah. don't really yeah. see. And I feel like. Going back, taking it back to, to the doom level, you know, for him to become this, what for most intents and purposes, people would have called him a failed, obscure, early 90s rapper, to make, having this resurgence and being on the cover of like mainstream. Publicity. 15 years in the game. Yeah. At the same point. Yeah, 15 years in. You know, it just speaks to, it, it, it speaks to, you know, his contribution, his legend. Um, and did you did you inter did you introduce him to Kanye? No, that wasn't through me. I don't know, that, if anything, that might have happened. I, I, I'm just guessing that might have come through playing Pat. I feel like maybe. Okay. You know, I'm just speculating. No, because I know I know Doom Pat. referred to him as a friend, though. What's that? I know Doom referred to Kanye as a friend. Yeah, they ended up they ended up developing, developing their own relationship. Sure, I, but I I feel like uh, I feel like that probably happened through Pat. Yeah, that's just spec just speculating. You know, I'm just knowing who was around in the circle back then. Like, Pat would have his ear to stuff like that. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Pat that orchestrated him, that orchestrated. Because Ghost, he, he, Pat A&R, the Fishtail album. Did um, not know that. Yeah, he's, he, um, I didn't deal with him for my stuff, like the champ and whatnot. Um, but if you look at the credits for Fishtail, he's credited as the A&R. So... I'm ninety wow. percent positive that he was one who made the call to get Doom to get uh Doom beats on Fishtail. Again, that's me my speculation. Knowing Pat, knowing the role he was playing at that time, you know, Sounds I feel right. like he was likely the one who who created the spark to get Doom on that album. Two, 
two things. One, thank you. Three things. One, thank okay. you for doing this, Just. I appreciate we all really all our convos. Two, I love your the love for Polo and Ralph Lauren. The one string missing on your sweatshirt has been driving me fucking. It can still be there. Crazy. Look, it's there. Yeah, but that, but yeah, but it was hidden the whole time. I was, I haven't heard a word you said <laughs> for the last hour. Three, uh, as a as a as a person who wants to learn about Doom, and I feel horrible that I'm so late. Give me the perfect scenario. What do I do tonight? What What's the first and second thing I should listen to to get the overall key love for the guy like everyone listen has? Listen to Doomsday. Listen to Mad uh-huh. Villain. Listen to. What did, what what did Peter send you? What Wait, did Peter what send you, Cypher? What was the third one? I I said, said Doomsday, Doomsday and I Mad, Mad Villain. Those are the first night. two I yeah. sent. I was like, if you're gonna take a crash course, yeah, I think right. Doomsday and Villainy yeah. are the way to start. Right. And what did you say last? What's year? the third one? And, and you said, just food. Some food. Yeah. And food. Okay. Oh no! You know what? You Knowing should start my with. Style, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go food first. And, and, I'm gonna go food first. You wouldn't go wrong there either. You wouldn't go wrong. I got a cut, guys. Yo, thank you, Just. We really appreciate you. Yo, no, Just. Man, you know, man thank you and, so you know, much, man. Peace, you know, to, to the God. And uh, thank you guys for doing this and using your platform to shine that light. Man. That's why we're here. No doubt. Nah, thank that. you, Just. All right, peace, man. There, all right, you, peace. Man. There he is, thank Just you. Blaze. Uh, wow. You. That was awesome. Okay, so what did he say? I, I right, you don't even you, you don't even understand what happened for the last hour. You're going to have to go back and listen to this without video. Because Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren, right? So you can't thick. help but notice it. So it was like just. Oh uh, no, that was. Man, this has been fucking amazing. I feel like I was took a college course today. And, and what am I like just, the, the TA? Nah, you're like a, a stripper that takes <sighs> night classes. Oh my god. Um, hey Saif, you know what we should talk to right now? Who's that? Well, he's already. You can see him. He's sitting right there. It's Pete Nice. Pete Nice. The Prime Minister, Sinister. Woo. You know what I'm saying? Wow. What's up, man? How you been? Yo, man. Thank you for jumping on with us. Nah, man. No, no, no problem, man. Under sad circumstances. Yeah, no. We yeah, we really man. appreciate it. I, you know, I think Pete Nice might have been the first white guy that I wanted to like, that I actually looked up to and thought, you know, if I could ever make it to Pete Nice level, uh-huh. I would settle for being white. Like he was that cool. That I was like, he's a, you know, he, he didn't seem attainable because Pete, you had the cane and shit. I knew I could never pull that off, but you were still an inspiration. Right. <laughs> Don't forget the throne. It's always oh, the, good to have the throne. Yo, facts. The throne was the throne was very tough classic, to live up to. Classic Brooklyn Queens Day. You know what it is. <laughs> now, um, the circumstances here obviously suck, and and first of all, we send our condolences because we know first and foremost that uh, Doom was a was a friend of yours for a very long time. So, number one, our condolences. Right, and condolences to his family, his wife, you know, everybody out there who was friends with them. Big loss. Yeah. So how did it how did it start? How did the third base KMD Zevlovex relationship begin? Oh man, you gotta. This goes back to when me and Serge first got together. And actually, in some ways, through Dante, because we have mutual friends. But when I was doing my demo, Search was doing his demo right at the same time for Rush. Mm-hmm. Like, we were both signed to Rush as, like, solo artists within months of each other. But Search had already been in the studio working with Sam Sever. So through Dante, 
you know, just being at the office, we started hanging out, going to the world. You know, next thing you know, me and Dante are in searches, Blue Granada, picking up some chick named Lorraine over at some projects in the Lower East Side. And, you know, we were just hanging out. Is so fun? when me and Serge first started to work together, I, I was doing the song Words of Wisdom in the studio by myself. Called up uh, Dante. Dante said, hey, Sam Sever might be able to help you in there. You know, I, I was like, you know, with, with the mixing board with actually uh, the dude Chuck, rest in peace from Murphy's Law. He was like the uh, house engineer, Chung King. Mm. So Sam was nice enough to come in, help me work on the demo. Next thing you know, hanging out with Serge. We're going out. Now, I had met Serge before a couple of years earlier at the Latin Quarter, but we did not really know each other. So when I start hanging out with Serge, and even before we were, you know, quote unquote, third base, you know, we were going out to Long Beach and the people that he knew. Now, he knew and met Doom and I think Sub Rock and a lot of the other GYP guys from Long Beach. And I think the MLK Center out in Long Beach where they'd have a lot, you know, Spectrum City, Chuck D and them, a lot of groups would come out and they'd have talent shows there. So I think Doom said that he met Search at one of those talent shows. Wow. And, you know, from that point on, when we formed Third Base, I met Notice who were in the Get Yours Posse in Long Beach, they were our dancers from you know from the earliest days. Wow. So wow. we had this whole Long Beach connection and Doom and Subrock were like always, you know, with the crew and around. And at some point Search earlier had given me a tape that, you know, Doom had done with they had another third member of the group at that time. It escapes me what his name was. Yeah, I but read that. Onyx you know, or before Onyx? No, before that. It was another guy. Before Onyx. Yeah. Yeah. And like on the most rudimentary type, you know, equipment or whatever, they put together with either through pause tapes or like, you know, early drum machines, you know, like really incredible shit that, you know, me and Serge said, wow, you know, these kids are, are mad talented. And, you know, it just, it just was a point we would, we would start taking them everywhere with us. I mean, when we did, I think even when we did stuff with the bomb squad out in Hempstead, you know, doom and sub rock were with us. They wow. were with us in the studio. I mean, so, they doom was a musical genius even from the earliest days and so was sub rock when they what they were so young i mean like 14 15 16 maybe doom when we started out back in 88 89 era and like we would go into the studios and like all of a sudden we're working with the bomb squad and we got vietnam there and keith, keith shockley and you know there's the you know, SB 1200 and the 808s and like Doom is like looking at these things like, man, if I could get my hands on these, what I could do. Yeah. And mm. you know, so he was always just soaking in everything like a sponge with what was going on musically and not even as much lyrically at that point. And he was just obsessed with beats and with music. And, you know, so that's how we formed the bond with Doom. And that's even before it was like, oh, hey, these guys could, could be a group. And, you know, one thing led to, to another, and we're going out to do a song with Prince Paul. We we wanted to do two songs with Prince Paul as a producer because we were doing everything else with Sam and the Bomb Squad. And whenever we hung out with Doom, they'd be talking about gassing people in this thing called the gas bait. Mm. So, and, and you know, Doom really came up with it to us, but it was another kid in, in uh, Long Beach who first started saying it. Doom picked up on it. And... You know, I don't know who said it, but, but me, Search or Doom was like, yo, let's do a record called The Gas Face. So 
we took the LIRR out to like, I think it was Island Media with Prince Paul. And we wrote the lyrics to that song, like on, on the train and like right there on the spot in the studio. And, you know, all of a sudden Doom is in there with Prince Paul. You know, everybody Prince idolized Paul, Prince Dayla. Paul did the gas phase beat? Yeah, Prince Paul. Like he, he had already sent us the beat or hit us off with a cassette. And that's why Doom had heard the cassette too. Mm. And then... You know, that record came together so uh, improvisational. Like, it was, there wasn't much planned. And when we got there in with Paul, I mean, every everything just fell in order. Like, all the ad-libs and everything was just, you know, stuff that was off the top of the head. But, you so know, we good. had our whole setup. And, you know, because we had that early success with the record and the song, all of a sudden, Doom, who's this, you know, young kid, kid from Long yeah. Beach, you know, thrust into the middle of the hip hop scene. And I think through his relationship with us, he also, you know, being down with us, he was like at the rush office, run DMC's there, Rakim's yeah, there, yeah, yeah. you know, like Russell Simmons. So he had a tie in to like, even the earlier groups that we, we did things with a new, like Houdini, yeah. you know, rest in peace. So, and you can see that doom had, you know, a great knowledge of hip hop and records and even the old school stuff. So, you know, he was just put into a position where, you know, he he got that light on that and song. Gas Face, you know. Gas Face was a single? Mm-hmm. Gas Face was a That was a single. The that last single, right? Had it. Yeah, that was the first single so he's with the got, album. So he's a kid rolling with you. All of a sudden he gets radio play. There's a video for it. The kid is winning. Right. And and then the next thing you know, where, you know, we have our album party at the Palace in L.A. And, you know, Doom's performing with us. We got Dayla on stage with us. LL comes in and close <laughs> right before Mama Said Knock You Out came out. He came out and you know, we'd have everyone come on stage with freestyle. And, you know, I think LL at the time, he had, you know, quote unquote, fallen off, you know, for the street before that. And he knew he had to come back hard. So he basically took over our whole show. I think there was a review in the LA Times was like, yeah, third base had a performance and LL just killed everything when he came on at the end. So, but we had doom on there rhyming with everybody wow. and like NWA was in the house. Easy. There's a picture of me doom and easy that circulates all over the place. So what? You know, he, I haven't he seen was that. In the middle of that. And even, even beyond that, I remember the whole crew, everybody from long beach, me search every daddy, daddy rich, we're walking down Rodeo Drive with Doom, and like we're looking straight ahead of us, and it's like Whoopi Goldberg is walking like right at us, and like Search is like, "Yo, Whoopi!" Like, yeah, and then like Doom is like, everybody's like looking and like going towards her like quickly, like, "Oh shit, that's Whoopi Goldberg!" Yo, Whoopi Goldberg broke out. She ran across the street, and you know, but to have Doom from Doom going to the street from the streets of Long Beach straight to Rodeo Drive and just experience How old that. Like was he, he had, at this time? Like, at that time, he had to be, like, 16. What? You know. Yeah, well, Gas Face is, you're talking 89, 90. Yeah, this, so this is all happening right at, right at the cusp of, like, 89 and 90. 89, 90, and he's, his birth is listed as 71. So he's 17, 18 years old. 19, exactly. And, and you know, Subrock, was even was younger, was even younger, and did you get the parents' you know, permission said, for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my Dukes was was cool with it and knew that we took good care of him. And uh, so funny. You know, sometimes we wouldn't 
we wouldn't be able to take them on the road all the time because of school and right, everything. Right, right. Um, but, you know, from that point on, you know, Doom was a fixture and, you know, he would always want to be in the studio with us as well. So he learned a lot. And I even think at some point, like after we got Doom, you know, the deal at Electra through Dante, I think he had a couple of pieces of equipment, but I think I fronted him you know, like in advance to buy Dante's like MP, uh, MP60. And like when Doom got that in his hands, you know, he was just like a monster, you know, like, and, wow. you know, Mr. Hood was on one level and, you know, listen, it took, it took them a lot of time to record, like uh, rest in peace, John Gamble as well, who was unbelievable to lose him yeah, and also mm -hmm. with his T50. but Gamble was the engineer for all of uh, Mr. Hood. So Doom and Subrock would go to, you know, Dante and Gamble spot and Westbeth and basically live there. I mean, you know, Dante, I think he couldn't even get in there to do any other projects or whatever, because they were in there so long. So they formed a great bond with Gamble. And, you know, Gamble is the, like I said, once again, is the other SD 50 guy. Gibi. Huh? You know, Gamble, Gamble and Gibi were Dante's partners in and SD 50. It was three of them. Yeah. Right, man. Oh, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, Gibi passed last year, then Gamble yeah, just passed this year. I saw, boom, yeah, I saw Dante post it. Yeah, it's it's just in, incredibly sad. So, but they, they had a great bond, and, you know, they would record everything in in that in that studio, and then they picked Calliope Studios in Midtown Calliope. to actually do all the mixing. Wow. And, oh, you know. Oh, my God. And doing them would always, you know, interface with all the people involved and make characters. And uh, the one guy, Ronald, who was ran Calliope, he even got run into some of the skits with Mr. Peacles and different things. So, you know, there was a lot of humor to Doom's, you know, music, his lyrics, and, you know, kind of like a innocent nature to like their first album. And that's because they were so young. And through all of this, you know, Doom and and, uh, and Heem were devout Muslims, and they were down with the Ansar community as well. So, you, I mean, you would see, like, Doom and them selling oils on the street and then, like, running over and doing a show. So they had, like, kind of like a dual life, so to speak. And, I mean, I remember even when we took Doom on, you know, the first real tour with Kane in 1990. Wow. You know, we would have points, like, if, you know, I think the tour was during Ramadan, they would break out the prayer rugs and like, you know, would not touch any alcohol, would be fasting and were like totally, you know, committed. And, you know, even and even on that tour, like we had, yeah, it was like Tupac's first tour with digital. He was, I mean, listen, Tupac used to help us out <laughs> carrying equipment and stuff. And, you know, he hang, hung with everybody, but he was a nobody at that point. You know, that was like, he was, he was dancing, doing uh, crowd participation for digital. I think that's the first time that he was ever out on the road. Do you ever think how insane it is, like, that these legends were kids? As you were in this position of being the man and one of the featured groups on this tour, you have absolute future gods of the game who were just sort of and helping also, out and doing what they could. How old were you at the time? 
I, I had just graduated college, so I, I had some years. Maybe I was like 20, like, 21. Yeah, you were a kid. Like, right. I, I was still a kid, but they were really kids. Yeah, I like, know, we, we but went, still, like. And, you know, Search and I had been, you know, Search had records out in 86. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had my radio show in 87 up at Columbia. And I was I was a soloist. Like, Lumumba from X-Clan was my manager from, like, 86 on. So, like, we we had been in the business, so to speak, or like trying to, you know, make, make our name. So, and, you know, we struggled a lot, had to deal with a lot of adversity and, you know, doom, you know, was, was lucky enough to ride a little wave where, you know, he, boom, he's right with the group that's, that's happening. And, you know, he was talented enough to hold his own and for everybody to see, you know, you know, what he could do. And, you know, all this time doom is, you know, crafting like, KMD's work, like even back from like, you know, 88 when they had the other member, then Onyx joined the group. And then we were like, you know, we, we had a production company, me and Serge, Rift Productions. And we really just formed it, you know, when it came to the point where like, oh, KMD, you know, these guys, you know, could do their own thing. And then, you know, we kicked it to Dante. And Dante, you know, just loved them. And, you know, Dante had just pretty much recently left Rush. He had gone to Tommy Boy and then got his gig at Electra, and I think Shazzy was his first act. And like when he heard, you know, Doom, and you know, plus when they got in the uh, studio with Gamble, you know, and had worked on some of the early demos, you know. Sif, was- I dare you to refer. I-, I dare you to remember a Shazzy record. I don't know Shazzy records. Gigaho, Gigaho. I remember. I remember. Wasn't it pass an- pass another bag? I think pass- so. I just yeah, remember produced Gigaho. by Pete Rock. I don't remember that. So that was that was the early one, the earliest for Dante at Electra. But you know, and then with Dante getting you know signing Brand Nubian leaders, you know you had leaders from Long Island, Brand Nubian, you know bonded, and you know they formed like kind of like the God Squad they called it. So I remember the stickers from you know Nitty Gritty with KMD and Brand Nubian, you know the God Squad. Yeah. So you know even Gritty son. Uba was in the Peach Fuzz video, you know, playing the, the xylophone, everything. So, you know, they got along with everybody, and uh, you know, they were talented. You know. Um, what do you remember about the passing of of Sub Rock and how impactful it was on Doom, but also on everybody? Like that must have been a really huge deal for you guys. And rap media wasn't the same then. It's not like we heard that much about it. Everyone knew it happened. But we didn't really know what it was like for all of you, and especially Doom. Yeah, well, one of the hardest things, you know, hearing about Doom's demise is that when when Sub passed, you know, they were like, they weren't twins, but they were almost as if they were twins. Like, you know, and you could, inseparable, you know, mentally and physically. And when Sub passed, you know, you saw that Doom was devastated. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, the reports say, oh, Subrock was hit by a car. It wasn't just that. I, I won't get into it out of respect and not the time, but it was a lot more involved than that. And that also affected Doom greatly. And, you know, to the point where I, you know, the person who did the best coverage on like Doom's early career in KMD is Brian Coleman, mm-hmm. like for the technique when he did the whole chapter on Black Bastards. And, you know, when 
when Subrock passed, it was a year until we mastered Black Bastard. So he had recorded all this stuff with sub vocals and production and stuff, but then he had to fine tune it over a long period of time. And I was working with a guy named Rich Keller who had set up his, you know, great engineer who had set up a studio in his crib in Jersey. So like Doom would record most of the Black Bastard record in Jersey at his crib and he would crash there, basically live there, you know, on and off while he was recording. And this is this is the finishing of the of the project after Subrock is gone. Well, that's partially while they were recording it and after, and then we actually took it to mix it in Chongqing. So by the time the mixing, I'm pretty sure Sub had already passed. But it was it was a long time. Like Doom liked to spend a lot of time on records, and you know, an inside joke between me and Dante is there was a company called the Toy Specialist that would rent out all sorts of, you know recording equipment with you know different effects and things and there were always these extra invoices from the toy specialist so you know he was a perfectionist knew exactly sonically what he wanted and you know it did take a long time so most people say oh subrock died one week and kmd got dropped the next week it, it took a year for that but that still back. had to be that still had to be brutal pete for you to make this album with your brother your brother passes, you finish it, and then in the end, they drop you. That had to be incredibly painful. Well, no, what, what I'm saying is it was enough to lose his brother and for all of us to lose him, and then to put that work in again right. for a period yeah. of time and then get hit with that out of left field. Because I, I got to tell you, th there were the advances, the releases, the video, the press kits, everything. The first single came out. Yeah, it was... It was total blindsiding on all all fronts. Wow. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, it was probably the biggest travesty I've ever in hip-hop because it was a time of cop killer with Ice-T. So Warner Brothers was so petro that they had so much heat on them that one of the executives saw the Sambo character in the cover got scared, and on top of it, Havelock Nelson, who was always, you know, a great writer and always on top of hip-hop for Billboard, he actually wrote in his column that he can't believe that this got through, you know, Electra's executives and, you know, they should remove this because it's offensive. A snitch. And not understanding, like, what... It's offensive. What they, they were, were talking doing. about I mean, everybody, it. Everybody in hip-hop knew that the Sambo character was an anti racism, anti, you know, uh, you know, quote, coon figure and, and the, the blackface mentality. And Doom was so keyed into that. His And his lyrics were on so many different levels where he would address this. And the Black Bastards thing was so, you know, it was just so smart of him to do it that way. Genius. And, you know, immediately they were like, yo, and, you know, Dante had a, he tells stories about a couple of meetings that I wasn't at. And next thing you know, after spending all the money on the album, they're like, yo, we're out. Wow. They're gone. And wow. I think even to show the time, the bigger travesty is like immediately, like at the time, Bob had left Def Jam and I had Hoppo recordings. We were recording Curious George. And, you know, so here we basically have our own pseudo label deal. So this, this falls out and we're like, yo, let's, Let's take this immediately to Columbia. 
and even even so to speak to Russell and them. No, got got two no's from them. I got a list of like everyone we went to, called up everybody, and not one label would bite, and it was like you're scared. Toxic, you know, and it just it just totally died, you know. Which, which yeah, you know, and the ironic part of that is that it was a masterpiece. You know, they had put so much into that, and I think it took them to the level of like, you know, all the people that they emulated, Native Tongues, Tribe, De La, and I mean that was like I felt Mr. Hood got them to a certain point, maybe sold 150,000, didn't have any like quote unquote radio hits. But like, what did Niggy know with the Jody Wadley sample and everything? I mean, I saw you play that on your your live the other day, and uh, you know that record was 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 primed to blow up, and that just killed everything, and you know basically killed the KMD career, and Doom's career, you know right at that point. So to have that you know double blow, which of course the sub rock blow was was much more deep and intense. To have that second mm -hmm. one. Because Sub was part of that album. I mean, not only was he producing and writing, he was rhyming on that. He became, you know, a full-blown MC on that record, and they were almost like a duo at that point. Yeah. So that made it even harder. So, like, so, yeah, so his brother dies, but then he goes, well, at least the world will get to hear him with this album, and then the album never comes right. out. So it's like a fucking triple whammy. Right. So... You know, there was a point where, you know, Doom was around, like there was nothing we could do, you know, like we, we couldn't, we couldn't, no one would pick it up. So Doom kind of was in depression. He was still living out in Long Island. And at some point, I don't remember when it actually happened, but he moved down to Georgia. And previously, while they were recording Black Bastards, actually, even before they got in with Rich Keller, they did all the initial recording before that up at uh, Dr. York's studio upstate. I think it was like Monticello. And they were living in the Ansar community there for a certain period of time before they got in with Rich Keller. So there's almost like three different periods of that album. That's why it took so long to actually get the album completed. Wow. And that's crazy. When they were, you know, when they. I think I think the Ansar community had another community in Georgia, and I think that's it's, where it's Doom big in went Georgia. that first time. It's very big in Georgia, and, right? And then at some point after that, like you know, this is pre-internet, really. You know, it's not like it's even like you know, cell phones were not even like accessible to yeah. everyone under the sun. So when Doom, when when Doom's cell phone went out or whatever, there was no way to get in touch with Doom. It's not like you could email Doom or whatever, and he disappeared for for you know, several years. And actually, personally, with what happened with Sub Rock and what, what happened with Electra, I was so disenchanted with the business in general and just other things that happened with Def Jam that I was out too. I moved upstate New York and we, you know, we basically closed down shop. The last artist we had was Count Pace D. Shout out to Count. And it's great that, you know, Count was able to work with Doom and his I was going to say they had records together, yeah. Right, exactly. So there was a lot of synergy of people that we, were affiliated with, who met Doom, who then worked with them, you know. Wow. I mean, my old MC partner, Lord Scotch, actually designed, you know, Doom's mask and did all the art and, you know, played a big part in a lot of his stuff. So, Jeez. you know, so, so when Doom disappeared, 
you know, I in some ways disappeared. And I think the next time I heard about Doom was uh, someone from Spin Magazine calling me up for a quote when, you know, when he blew up again. Yeah, I think it was probably at the point with Peanut Butter Wolf with uh, Mad Villain, I guess. So, you know, it, to, to see him reinvent, Doom was always Doom. No one ever called Doom Zevlov X. He was always Doom. Yeah, you heard. You know, if you just knew him. And, but to, to see that transformation and just, you know, the artistry was, was incredible. Um, wow. And I had a lot of respect for that. Um, well, last thing, Pete, um, when did you last speak to him? What was the most recent communication you had with Doom Interaction? I had, when, when Brian Coleman did his, uh, his Check the Tech part on Black Bastards, he had called me up to interview me and he said that he had interviewed Doom. And I was like, yo, how do you, I've been meaning to try to, you know, link up with Doom for years. And he gave me all the contact information and his wife, you know, she was the best person to go through. And that was like literally like three years ago. And me and Paradise from X-Clan have been working on a book that's kind of like the illustrated history of hip hop from 83 to 92. You know, and of course he had a big part in that. And I had meant to just reconnect and just talk to him about that project too. And just never, never got around to it. I mean, a regret I have. And so mm. the last time that I actually physically spoke to doom was probably like 95. What? Wow. Hey Pete, thank you, man. This, this early part of his story was essential to us telling so the MF dope. doom story. So, so dope, man. your voice was super, super appreciated. Yeah, thank you, man. No doubt. Appreciate no doubt. that. Peace. All right, man. Peace, Pete. There Pete, he is. Pete nice of third you, base. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Peace. Rest in peace, Doom. No doubt. Prime Minister Pete Nice. And when you think legendary rap groups, right, and you think legendary MCs, Saif, I know who you think about. Mm -hmm. I know the first person who comes to your mind. Hannibal Burris. Wait, sorry, what was the question? I said when you think of legendary MCs, Uh great rappers, artists, Poets of our time. Okay. Dudes. What is, what's happening here? <laughs> yo, yo. Yo. I, 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 we knew MF Doom died. I didn't know Hannibal yo, died and was talking to us from heaven. What's, what's up, yo? Yo, are you in, where, are you in Japan? No. no. Um, where are you? I'm in, uh, I'm oh, in, you're in the Matrix. Parts unknown. Okay, parts unknown. Parts unknown. What's up, Hannibal? Good What's to happening? see you, man. Good to see you. Thanks for making time for us, Hannibal. Oh, I have, I have time. It's... Yo, I don't want to sound like a weirdo, Hannibal, but I fucking love you to death, man. Uh-oh. I love you to death, man. Cipher, Cy- are you about to give him the drunk old hey, New Yorker hey, outside the club man talk? Right there, that's my man. Hey, I love you too, Cipher. I, Cy- lo- I love Hannibal, man. Hey, hey yo, every time. Are y'all? Cause I, you know, it was interesting listening to those stories and and yeah. that level of of detail and i don't feel like i have much to add to the conversation no 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 D- no, stop no, it. no first of all did you know all that stuff about because like a lot of mf doom fans i feel don't know like the kmd stuff as much i know about the kmd stuff but not in depth like that it was really not depth like yeah. that yeah it was really interesting that was sick it. yeah yeah Pete- well, no, and, and by the way, Hannibal, no, it's totally valuable because we've talked to a lot of insiders today and, yes, uh, and earlier, but we also wanted to talk to people whose 
main interaction with Doom was as a fan. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, obviously you're super, supreme rap nerd OG who always follows the the best ish. So, um, and then on top of that, you have a story. There is a story out there, Hannibal, that you were actually sent to pretend to be MF Doom at some I point. Was, uh, I was a Doom bot at uh, Adult Swim Fest, yeah. <laughs> uh, so wait, so do, so tell us, so what happened there? What, how did it that was, happen? Uh, it was Lotus's idea. I'm assuming that he approved of it, but uh, Lotus said, hey, you want to do this thing at Adult Swim Fest where you, you come out there as MF Doom? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And did you, you perform? <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I had the, I had the mask and he was like, yo, you know, Lotus has a, a screen. Uh, he performs behind the screen for his show. And so, yeah, I, I step out in front of the screen. He, he's like, we got a special guest, MF Doom. I step out there. I didn't know this particular Doom song actually. So I couldn't, I didn't have my, my rap hands as good as I would have liked. But uh, <laughs> I didn't have my. But it's kind of a dream come true. You get to get a like you get to live anonymously as a rapper performing at a concert without really having to do it anything. It was uh, it was fun, man, and it was fun seeing kind of the 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 internet reaction to it afterwards was uh was really exciting to see and and since the announcement of his passing. Uh, it's been uh, it, seeing the reasoning behind the mask was uh, was really cool too. That he you know he didn't want you know girls to be deciding or guys sizing them up and shit. And when he's talking yeah, about yeah, guys yeah. sizing them up, it made me think about this one time. It's burnt in my brain from, and I've had you know thousands and thousands of interactions with people, but. I was at the merch table at Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis, maybe 2011. And I was just, you know, greeting people as they they bounced and whatnot and selling my shit. And, and this one cat said, I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were tall. What? Uh, it was like, yeah, when, when people watch you on stage, they size it, you know, the girls are doing anything, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, it's so, uh, the, it was, uh, him controlling his, his visuals like that. It was a, it's a sharp move. Uh, always. So, so no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It's, Hannibal, it's, uh, that was really powerful and, you know, it allowed him to do a lot of things creatively too, that, that, you know, would be tougher to do. Um, so, so Saif up and has is not a Doom fan and has spent the day learning and and getting into him kind of through all these interviews and conversation and playing music. I am like a solid Doom fan. I bought Doomsday, the first Victor Vaughn, Mad mm-hmm. Villainy, but I wasn't like I don't have every special like all of his uh, beat yeah. tapes, um, the special herb shit or whatever yeah. it was called. Like I'm not an obscene fan. I'm like a solid middle level doom fan where do you sit in the doom i think spectrum? i'm made probably solid and a little bit above like i got my my tracks that i would you know really play a lot and, and some of the special herb stuff i uh i like a few of those beats um yeah 
Rhymes like dimes. I was telling Cypher. Show. I, I, I was telling Cypher earlier. I didn't realize. Um, oh, we had just Blaze on. I didn't realize that the shit he did for Ghostface Jellyfish was from one of those special herbs tapes. Oh, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that he did a, a track for for Ghostface. I noticed some of the tracks from the, his beat tapes he would he recorded over, but Jellyfish is the name of it. See, this is what I love about Doom, is that you could be a fan and still be like, I didn't know today until today the records he had with Dilla. Like, I didn't yeah. know them until today. So, yeah, have you listened? Fish Scale by Ghostface has four Doom songs. Wow. Only, and he features on it? Or only yeah. just Doom beats? No. Just beats. Doom beats. Okay. Um, including one, Nine Millie Brothers, which has everyone in Wu-Tang on it. Damn. So, like, he's, like, so ill because you can have so many – you can have a relationship with so much of his music. You could listen to Rhymes Like Dimes or Accordion every day, but you might not know all this shit because he did so yeah. much. He was working, man. He was working. When did, when did you become a, a Doom fan? I was trying – I was thinking about that. I was trying to place it and figure it out, and I could not – I couldn't figure out, like, an exact – I, I couldn't yeah. place it. Yeah. I, I was trying, I was thinking, I'm like, when did I? Yeah, because it seems like it's all like kind of just, a lot of it was just floating around in the underground, so you might not know when exactly, because Just Blaze was telling us he became like a hardcore fan and then had to go back yeah. and, and, and find all the shit he missed, you know? Yeah, I know. I think in the past... 2010, 11, I think I probably started listening to Doom. I, I'm not sure, man. I just, you know. That's what, it, it makes him like, it makes him so, safe. you brought up Zeppelin yeah. earlier. No, you brought up The Who, or or you brought up Me? The, you were no, saying, Grateful or Pink Dead. Floyd. Grateful Dead, Pink Floyd, P- yeah. So he's one of those cats that you could get into in 2011 or 15 or 18, and people are going to get into him 10 years yeah, from yeah. now. That's why I'm not upset because I just got into Pink Floyd. Like, somebody was telling me about them. I watched two documentaries. I was like, where the fuck was I? This shit is amazing. And, like, the Doom shit, all that shit I heard today, I was like, oh, I could go in and pop in whenever because it seems like it's timeless. It's forever. It's timeless. It's forever. It's not of the moment, you know what I'm saying? Well, let's have some fun. I'll play you guys a couple of credits then that you that you've right. never heard uh, for a second. Give you a little taste. Here's Nine Millie Brothers, Ghostface, the entire Wu Tang Clan, produced by Doom. Uh, prepare for a nice, solid, long RZA intro. Digi, U G O D, Raekwon the Chef, the Inspector Deck, M E T H O D, the B O B B, straight up, Master Killer, the Jizza, the Genius. It's an old, it's a dirty bastard. One, two, one, two. Chill Turn it up. The headphones. Turn it up. Yo, you hear me? Yeah. What up, Tony? All the way up. Let's get this paper together. That's all it goes. In the stash, we bout the cash. We got females that got it like that. The golden chows that bone the crowd. See niggas in the place that bit my style. Well, I'm a singer, dancer. We bulletproof brothers. Wu Tang got the answer. Cause if I had a chance to do it again, I will still keep the heat in my pants. Up. 
Y'all be nice to the crackheads. Everybody listen up. I shot one of my bitches. The whole lane check it up. That's a great opening line. Pause it real quick. Did you say y'all be nice to the crackheads? Be nice to the crackheads. Oh, that's a vintage Dini start. Hold on. Y'all be nice again. to the crackheads. And I will still keep the heat in my pants up. Y'all be nice to the crackheads. Everybody listen up. I shot one of my bitches. The whole lane tricking up. Roll life the big screen dawn. Tapping dust bones out with star writers like I fuck Celine Dion. Stuck everything that's the gods on is beyond. We hearing niggas out. That's the type shit that we on. Official Wu-Tang headbanger. Flood to space with big waves like it did in Sir I drink heavy gallons of crew, play the big part. Niggas got squid on the grill, selling kids' club. I'm that snows, yo, the guess on with the best post. Yellow suede one, matching hat with the great gun. Niggas be rhyming for nothing. Then my team pull up, we all wore down. Y'all broke niggas, stay front. Lines come digital, stupid. Plus, ain't got no jury on. Better still live and I'm cooping. Two of my silverbacks run through a pack of your wolves. Run on your yak, you sit with Pontiac, no lax, dude. Knowing what these tracks do. Yo, this has a lot. This song has a lot of vintage woo-ness yeah. in it. That shit, man, they, it don't even sound like it was mixed. Like, that shit sounds crazy. <laughs> Yo, yeah, it, that has to be... Wait, but didn't he say... Did he say... Oh, he didn't talk... No, that was the one he said was mixed, though, Syfe. Wasn't that the one that Just Blaze said they did end up mixing? And he, at the right. end, said he wished they'd he just two-tracked track. it. Yeah, wow. It was, that, <laughs> it was that record. That's crazy. Yo, man. A Dirt McGirt. Uh, this one's called Clips of Doom. This, is, this might be my second favorite one. Because that other one I played you earlier, Syfe, Jellyfish. This is, it was my favorite, probably. Here's Clips of Doom featuring Trife. Oh, yeah. Hey, yo, turn those lights down while yeah. I'm recording. Yeah, Remember this one, yeah. Hannibal? Matter of fact, y'all niggas get the fuck out the room, G. Straight up, sipping on that bullshit Budweiser. Now I mean, yo, what? Fuck you too, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> what? You got a motherfucker Caprice? Hold on, is that like him talking shit to somebody in the studio or something? I don't know, it had to be. Because <laughs> uh, I remember ODB, or in ODB's book, a book about him, somebody was saying that the beginning of one song was him actually arguing with somebody and they left it in and shit. I like random shit talking in the studio. Like, just that you don't know where, where you wish you had the video for it. You no, know what I'm saying? Son, you, like, know, what, you, know what like, you know what it's like, Hannibal? Yeah. Like, you ever, like, you're at a comedy club, you get into, like, a little bullshit argument with somebody, and then you call to go on stage. Yeah. And you, you bring it on stage, but you don't say, like, the name. But you're like, I'm tired of these bullshit yeah. motherfuckers. You know what I mean? It's like, who... <laughs> Who are you talking about? Like, like who knows when they recorded that? It's a very ghost-facey so thing ghost to do. Face, yo. So ghost-faced. Um, I, I, I was just thinking about <laughs> Ghostface because I think of Ghostface sort of in a doomish sense in terms of being so prolific mm-hmm. and so influential and 
you know, I feel that we give Ghostface his flowers. Like, I, I do feel that people do talk pretty openly, effusively about how much we love Ghostface. Not, a, not all the but way. In mo- but not yeah, enough, not right? Not all the way, no. Yeah. Like, I know I go crazy for him, but, like, do we do it enough? Because he really is for a lot of us. Like, like the second Hannibal laughed, I, I all hip-hop heads know what that yeah, laugh yeah, yeah. is because Ghost just said yeah. some shit. Yeah. Like, he's so special in that way. Like, he doesn't produce, and he's different in Doom in that way, but he's like a, he's such a musician. He's like a fucking, like you said earlier, Saif, about Doom, Ghostface like a jazz artist. He keeps it interesting at all times. It's just... And he can go anywhere. I would bet my life on it. Like, he doesn't touch beat machines but he comes with ideas, and he's like, yo, I want to rhyme over that. Yeah. Or, nah, nah, make it smoother. You know what I mean? Like, I guarantee he produces the records. Like, No, you want to hear the one that I bet he – that he, I, no, he actually has credit, Saif. Do you want to hear the uh, – here, here's the one. Here's one that he gets credit for. I'm from a place where fish was made. Corduroy Valley sporting those Rock Kim Kings. Rock King Kane. Hey, Ghost, are you going to loop this? Nah, man, just let this shit play. Throw the tech to your brain. Put in the best the same. This is Theodore. Best to tuck those day in the games. See me coming. Start running it. Hey, yo. Who the fly niggas when we walk through the party? Pimp talk with the Mac strapped to our body. Bartenders is nervous, afraid to service. Bad service, unsmacked them on purpose. Hey, Ghost, hey, Ghost, you're letting the vocals play of the original song. Shut the fuck up, nigga. Shut the fuck up. Yo, you shut the fuck up if you knew it was best. Dead engineer the fuck out of here, yo. He just lets the whole shit play. Yo, that's some hood shit when you don't know... You don't got niggas who make beats. You don't have the instrumentals. So you just rhyme over it to write it, and then you'll get, you know, your producer boy or your DJ will loop it up later. And they probably just left it. And no, Ghost was like, it sounds better like this. <laughs> Yo, why you took the vocals out? Oh, no, you can't rhyme over the vocals. <laughs> no, put the one I did. Do the one I did. But <laughs> but but it's so fire because all he does is it's as if it becomes a feature because he just raps up until it gets to the the holla part, the Delphonics part, and then they come together and sing holla, holla, and just sing the chorus together. I tried to get Ghost all day today, Saif. I've been working on him, and I, I, my, my point man for Ghostface is Sean Wiggs, and Sean's been trying him all day, but his phone's been off. Because um, they had a bunch of joints together. Now, I don't know. I wonder if Doom and Ghost ever even have one conversation. I think there's a chance all they did was send shit back and forth. I wonder, man. Just it was wild hearing that you know his folks that from the '90s that he hadn't talked to in a while, and it's just being being that elusive is is a skill in itself. The guy, yo, I don't. I I told Sife Hannibal I'd never been in a room with him. Have you ever been in a room with Doom? No. Uh, even when Lotus asked me about being him, I'm kind of was like, is that our is that all right? I did he. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Someone actually talks I'm to him. Gonna <laughs> go be him on stage. Like, did, Is that he, cool? Did he say it was cool? Uh, I think he commented, or somebody from the account commented on IG when I when I posted about it and shit. 
So he no, no, did. but I'm saying did when you did it with Lotus, did Lotus say it was approved, like it was official? I think I was excited about the idea, so I was I was just saying I think I asked him. He said yeah, but it was you know it was really I know it's really wow. I know somebody, and I I'm sorry, but I can't tell you who, but I know somebody who <laughs> went on tour with Doom. They did like a Europe run, mm-hmm. and he said <laughs> he said he would do the show. And then the Doom bot, not the real MF Doom, but the fake one would come out and do the show. Yeah. And But Doom was there. He was there backstage. No. And he was like, yo, why are you not doing the show? Like, you're here. And he goes, nah, I don't, I got, he's doing it. He's doing it this run. <laughs> and he's like, the whole run? The whole run? And he goes, yeah. He goes, this, that, he's, I hired him for this run. And he's like, I can't do the tour if you're not going to do the shows. Nah. And they, they fell apart. Uh, they they fell, fell apart, apart because of it? They did like three shows and canceled it. Yo, I, did he have a training <laughs> That's session for them? Or did he just hire <laughs> folks? Or did he just kind of like, you know, here's how you vocalize a little bit. And you got to, you know, it, or was it just like, you know, get out there and get after it? <laughs> yeah, like, does he say, here's what my normal hand movements are? Here's the mic I hold my yeah. my mic Here's the with. Distance, distance is important. Yeah, where do you keep the mic? Pause. How yeah. close to your Here's mouth? Here's some banter that I would do. Banter is important. How, well, that's how, how do you listen to music, Hannibal? Because like you got a wide range of shit you're into. How do I listen? Like, are you like? Are you like? Are you like? You just put your phone on shuffle? Uh, it like, depends on what into, I'm like, trying to do. If I'm writing. I'll throw on some instrumental stuff, you know. If I'm trying to give myself a boost while doing a tedious task, I put on the Mission Impossible theme song. That just will turn anything you you doing. It makes it it get, really like I, like if I'm just trying to if I'm looking for my keys, I just throw that on. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> If I'm pulling into the Whole Foods parking lot looking for the parking lot, dun, 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 dun. you know, I try to make, I'm real, I, I play, when I'm in a city, I like to play the artist from that city, you know what I'm saying, while I'm riding, I like to, like, really create the, 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 the mood or, or just overly cheesy. So, what's the main Doom project you listen to, Hannibal, if you're in the mood to listen to Doom, what, what Doom are you Doom? listening to? Uh... I like, let me see. Here's, hey, guys, I don't listen to any Doom at all. I'm, I'm just trying to. He's I'm never listened to, to Doom. I'm just trying to. I'm a, try, I'm a Doom just keep your name. You're just trying I to keep your name I'm out there? I'm just trying to just, I've never, like, you know, I just looked at a Wikipedia page, and I was just, I was so, <laughs> when you said the interview was running long before, that gave me time to, like, really search uh, and, and, and find out who, like, Lotus, when he asked me to do it, I was like, I don't know. Sure, man. I guess you're like this is doubly ironic because I don't even know who this. I just want to go to the Adult Swim party. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I like. I mean, I have my track. I don't listen to Um Food is great, you know. And then uh, Red and Gold is one of my favorite tracks off of the the Operation Doomsday. Red and Gold. Red and Gold. Yeah. Let's listen to Red and Gold. All right, let's hear Red and Gold off of Operation Doomsday. It's King Ghidra and MF Doom.
Yeah. More of that smooth shit that he turns hard. See what the sample is for. You know what you, know, you know what that is, guys? Oh, it sounds familiar, but wait now, who was that Let's rhyming? See. Was that Doom or was that the other one? King whatever. That was Doom. It was yeah. it was Doom and King Ghidra, That's though. What I'm He's saying. both who characters. Was that? Oh. Says. I think that that sounded like Ghidra. I thought it was I thought it was Doom wait, first, then Ghidra. But I could be wrong. Who was uh that I saw I was looking up Trying to figure out who Mr. Fantastic is. Um, I don't. Mr. Fantastic's not him, is it? Uh, nah. I don't know, but there's a whole theory. The there's way, a Roden, whole Reddit thread. Uh, uh, people speculating on who Mr. Fantastic was because he only featured on, you know, a couple tracks. Hold on. Uh, that song is called The Sample. It's playing right now, the video yeah. in the background. Looking very 80s R&B. The Deal. Oh, the deal. That's Babyface. Shoot him up. That's Babyface in L.A. Reed. Oh, that's right, dear deal. group. Here we go. Oh. oh. Was ready for that good old western flick. Yo, yo, the video. Shit. Oh, the Jerry Curl is on no. fire, right? Jerry Curl is crazy. The video is them. It's him at an old movie, and like, it's a, it's like an old yeah, western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. They're showing the old western that he's at the movies watching. The, um, I like yo. It's crazy because I'm hearing all these songs that Doom samples that I'm like. I like this. I like those songs. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'll admit it right now. I'm a, I am from, I am white and from the suburbs. I did not know 100 Ways by Quincy and James Ingram until, until Rhymes wow. Like Dimes. Oh, that's, a, is that like a, is that like a very known song? I didn't, I don't know. Uh, 
You did like it. Safe. Do you know how known no, that song was? It. Like, so a lot of records like that. The unsolved mystery of MF Doom collaborator Mr. Fantastic. Is this the art? There's an article yeah. on DJ Booth from yeah, 2019. Yeah. Because he's off of uh, that's the rap snitch. Canicious, yeah. Why do you guys yep. have time to read shit like that? I, you guys rap snitch canicious. I go internet deep dives, man. I could, you know, I just I'll lose myself in just some real minutia and just I need to find this out, you know. Mm. And so I would. And listen, he's 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 obviously stuck awake in the middle of the night in countries all over the world. Who, who are they saying this is at home also? Yeah. Okay. Good. Who who are um, they saying it is? Let's see. Uh, Hannibal. It was a lot of speculation. They didn't really because it's it's his verse is so good. So is is you you think it's one of those verses you hear it. And you're like, oh, this this person is about to drop a album or something, right? right Where right, they right, right. they about to do, and then they've only had these couple appearances, so that's what kind of created the. There's something about a duo named called mm-hmm. Ufon from East Harlem, Mister Fantastic and Slim Pickens. Um. But there's no real information about them. It says, and it says on first listen, neither member sounds like. The two features from Mr. Fantastic. This is, this Yo, is it's, a, this it's is all what makes him so in today, man. He is he. It's so. I mean, listen. Just the fact, and we talked about this with Curious earlier. Just the fact that he continued to use Curious, who, if you weren't a really hardcore hip hop fan of the nineties. Yeah. The Curious George is a totally random Super figure. Random. Like uh, Hannibal, I don't know how familiar not, you are with Curious's work. Like so, Curious, you know, we he was down with he had like two records, like in like ninety, yeah. like ninety, yeah. ninety three. The album's ninety three. Ninety three. That the Beat Nuts, Stretch Armstrong, all those guys, and Curious was like. He had like two records, but for some reason he just stuck around. Like he was like everyone knew him. Yo, this sums up curious. His two biggest records, that album Sife, Constipated Monkey, is not on yeah, Spotify. I believe it. You know, and so like the fact that Curious, who let alone like he was such a random figure, this this was his biggest song, uh, I would Walk say. Like a duck. Hannibal. Oh yeah. It's the fat joint right here. Here oh. we go. Uh, the joint right here is dedicated to, well, I'm not malicious, but those whose words are vicious. Talking behind the back, this shit is whack. Here we go. You need to walk like a duck. Walk like a duck. Walk like a duck. Walk like a duck. You need to walk like a duck. Walk like a duck. Say what? Like a duck. You need to walk like a duck. Walk like a duck. Walk like a duck. This is curious. How do ducks walk? That's a hey. Talk to him, George. (laughs) Tell these motherfuckers how you know it's like when you put it that way, Hannibal. (laughs) This is his best record, though, I think. 
This is his best record. Yeah, Yo, this record, hold on. So this record here, I would say is his best record. And if you were to say in your mind, what do, if someone, if, if you were being held with a gun to your head and someone said, play me something that sounds like the fucking beat nuts, early beat yeah. nuts. I want to know what a beat nuts beat sounds like in one song. Ah, Scythe, you, you hit this. When the beat comes in in the horn, it's the most beat nut shit of all time. Curious sparks the Buddha kid act like Kanuda. The game not the fame, cause it's lame, rather do the bumpity bump. Where the hell did he start? Don't forget my name. I got what you want. So yeah, maybe that was the biggest. Maybe that was the biggest one. That's uptown shit. Yeah. Wow. And it's interesting actually that he says uptown shit, and we talked to him earlier. He's from like the nineties. What do you say? Ninety nine. Uptown though, man. Uh, yeah, but I thought I was always taught that uptown meant fucking no, uptown. Uptown, is, uptown and it, it, is above fucking Fifty Seventh Street. Yeah, he's rounding up. <laughs> it's a big roundup. You can round up from fucking Fifty Seventh Street to the Bronx. Yeah. You can just round uh, it all the way uptown. Always like if you're hanging out downtown, you're like, yeah, I gotta go uptown. Like above Fifty Seventh, where like the West Side Highway turns into like a real highway, no more lights. Like that's uptown. Yeah. Like, and, Ooh, that's a good yeah. delineation. In, in, in a hip hop sense, in a in a New York hip hop geography sense of where the clubs are. And where you live, like, I got to head uptown. You know what I mean? So I'm uptown, confirmed. No, you're, yeah, I get, but you're upper west. It's it's different now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's upper west. He's, hold on. It's different. It's different. <laughs> it's also the type of person that says it. <laughs> so I have to say, I'm going up upper to the west. upper west side. I can't say I'm going uptown, even though he said that MF Grimm was from 84th Street in Amsterdam. It's up right over there. Still doesn't count. I wish we could. My, my regret for today is that we didn't get MF Grimm. I tried to reach out to MF Grimm, and I, I, I was not able to find him. Well, look, Hannibal, fucking thank you so much, man. Thank y'all, um, man. This was this was unexpected and, and, and fun. It's, it's, this is a I learned. Good, I learned. Good start to my day. I feel like I, I fucking took a crash course in doomness, and I'm gonna fucking go in, man. I I had a ball today, and and I I I'm so sorry. It's because of the loss of him that I'm in this. Uh, Hannibal, have fun in Kenya, bro. Thanks, Thanks for y'all. jumping on with for us. Show, man. This was fun. This was Yo, real fun. Man. All right, holler, holler soon. Go. Later, man. It's the fucking the guy great right Hannibal Burris. Handsome, delightful. Yo, I hung out. Oh, damn, he hung up. I hung out with Hannibal's uncle. Do the delayed. Yo, you still there? I'm Try still there because I wanted to listen to the rest of the show. Yeah. I wanted to hear it. It's a good show, so Yo. I was sticking around. Uh, <laughs> Yo, what's, your, what's your uncle's name in Chicago? My uncle, uh, Kelvin. Kelvin, yeah. you know, every time I go to Chicago with Michael Che, Kelvin comes and hangs out with us, bro. Yeah. Woo. He's like as funny as Hannibal, but 
the street, the oldest street version. Oh, he's funnier than me. Oh, that's yo. He's funnier than me. He got more life experience. Yo, do you have him? Do you have him on your podcast? Uh, we started the podcast together, splitting tents. We gotta get some more episodes going, but because he used to be a casino dealer. Uh, Who your cousin, your uncle? My uncle. He dealt. Yeah, he dealt blackjack for years in the Chicago area. So he just. You know, he's seen people in a in a very specific way. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, you have me. You had me at old black no, dude from Chicago yo. who used to be a blackjack <laughs> dealer. I'm I'm in. I'm in. I want his stories. I want his stories in my veins. All right, peace. All right, bye again, Hannibal. Yeah, we you love can you. Stay. Can sit here as long as you want. You don't have to leave. All right, yeah, as we continue on, um, now Saifa had to travel, and I am continuing our WANEP is Doom special, where we continue to learn about the life, the legacy, the music, the history of MF Doom. So Pete Nice reached out to me and asked if I wanted to jump on the line with the third member of KMD, Onyx, who's come up in a multitude of stories that we've uh told so far and of course i said absolutely would love to have him on the on the show so onyx of kmd um long long beach long island what's good man how are you i'm doing good pete first and foremost let me just thank you man for extending your platform you know to honor and celebrate you know the brother the world coming to know us, mf doom uh who we here in long beach you know was daniel dumale you know uh a good friend man Good family, and uh, you know we love them truly, man. We miss them. So but thank you for using your, your platform to celebrate them. It is my it's my honor to have a platform to do it on. Um, how um, how far back do you go with uh, Mr. Dumoulin, Young MF Doom? Well, I was born and raised in Long Beach. I was born and raised here, and I gotta say that uh, you know Doom and his family probably arrived in Long Beach around the uh, early '80s. So. Uh, you know, he didn't grow up with us, but we all got familiar with them because just in passing, we lived like a block away. So, um, you know, Doom and his younger brother, son, God bless him. Um, you know, they always had a unique style to them. You know, they were very artsy. Uh, they was into the culture as hip hop. They was into graffiti. Um, you know, Sub was a barber. So locally, everybody would, you know, travel to Sub's crib most of the time. He designed rings. He designed hats, and um, everybody would take notice to them. But, um, you know, them coming to the community late didn't go over so well with a lot of people because they were different. It wasn't your average cats. So how so how old are we? How old are they when they when they get there? Early teenagers? So I would say they're like in their early to, early to mid-teens. Okay. Like teens. Got yeah, it, got we it. We all were teenagers at the time. Okay. So, you know, I would say about maybe high school. You know, uh, Doom was in probably in this freshman year of high school probably and middle school middle school maybe and then sub was probably about his last year last year middle school doom beginning high school and how did your actual relationship begin well i would say uh a little before they moved here i had become muslim and uh doom and sub's family was the only family that i knew that was muslim um, but I definitely would frequent going past their crib uh, regularly because there was a 7-Eleven that was by their house. So you always had to kind of pass by there. It was kind of like the shortcut from where I lived at. So I always see him uh, going to school. I'd be on the bus with Doom a lot of times. So I see him, you know, get to know him. 
And then ultimately, uh, once I became Muslim, I felt like that these were some people that I needed to know because that was the faith that we practiced. And uh, I remember one day uh, going past Duma Sub's crib after talking with them and leaving their house. And, you know, every neighborhood had that mean dog, that one mean dog. <laughs> and leaving from their house, there was this dog named King that lived about maybe two or three houses down. And King got out the yard and gave chase. So me running back to their house, uh, they ran in the house, closed the window. I tried to go back in the window with them to avoid this mean dog and went to push up their window. And my hand went through the window. Uh, eventually, they opened the window. I went in, but it was a little bit late. And uh, I had a cut that I have on my hand to this day uh, that's memorialized about my experience that day with them. And ultimately, I had to get stitches, sub with me to the hospital that had gave me a T-shirt to wrap around my hand. And from that day, I was just a regular at the house. And uh, it was always eventful over there. You know, it was break dancing. Uh, they were into skateboarding. Anybody know on any given day, you can go up and down that block and you can find sub and doom on a porch, uh, either tagging, doing their graffiti. Doom had a name. Uh, his name was Art or he was part of a tagging group, graffiti group called Art. Empty cans of spray paint. Uh, it was break dancing on that porch. It was always some activities. And uh, they were always kind of unique and creative. It was into most of all you could think of. So uh, we were still from that day. And how long is it between then and when you guys all started working on the, the music and it becoming, KMD becoming a thing? Okay, so I'll say that uh, when, I, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I started going by there, it kind of were already uh, recording Doom with DJ, Sub with DJ. I think Sub was a little bit more technical with the DJ and so you understand all the hookups and stuff like that. And uh, Doom liked, liked to rap. He was recording some demos. There was a brother named uh, Jade One, who was the original member of mm -hmm. the group KMD. He uh, came to be known as Rodan later on in the whole Monster Island thing. But, um, you know, very good brother. He also was Muslim. And uh, he was a part of that group then. And that might have been going on probably a year or so, you know, before I got with them, before I started hanging out with them. But, uh, you know, they were multi-talented. They was always into doing quite a few things, you know. And do you remember the uh, the beginning of the relationship with Third Base, with MC Search? I do. I remember that there were dancers for Third Base. The name was Ahmed and Otis. Uh, and they were good friends of ours. Because uh, once we started hanging out, uh, once we started hanging out with, um, you know, Doom and Sub, we ultimately created this conscious army. Because there was quite a bit of resistance naturally for Doom and Sub coming into Long Beach, being from out of town and being different, dressing different, into different things. And you had a lot of cats. Sometimes people are inspired by this art. Sometimes they could be jealous by this art. Sometimes they could just admire from afar. And then sometimes you have your little beefs that would ensue. And Long Beach is a microcosm of like every other hood. You know what I'm saying? It would have its, its problems. So we had this whole crew maybe about, I'd say, a one quarter of the community, the uh, one quarter of the, uh, the youth in the community, the males, uh, converted to Islam as a result of us holding uh, meetings because we were Ansar Muslims and we would mm -hmm. go to Brooklyn, jump on the train to question and answer classes, and we would come bring this information back as well as uh, books and true light tapes. And, um, you know, when Searchim had come around, 
they would be in some of these circles outside of rhyming and we'd be building and exchanging, you know, uh, our theories on information and doctrines. And, you know, uh, there was a talent show that I met and Otis had brought, I believe, Doom and Sub to. And they let them know that they were working on stuff. They were artists, Search Rap to. And uh, they made that connection. And Search were frequent over the Hudson Street here in Long Beach, where Sub and Doom lived. And uh, they basically began to cultivate a relationship you know, after that, in terms of the music. And um, what was the dynamic like of the group um, with the two brothers in the group? Was there a clear, like, someone who kind of led and handled business in KMD? And was that Zev, Doom, or, or how, did, how what was the dynamics like between you guys as a group? So as a group, being that they kind of pulled me into the group because I didn't really have the aspirations of being a rapper. I might have rapped a little bit. I think everybody... You know, back early mid '80s, um, you know, you 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 were inspired by all those artists who was out prior to want to rap, but I didn't have the structure of putting verses and bars together. That was something that was taught to me by Sub and Doom, and uh, in that in the group, Doom and Sub didn't really have like a leader follower position. Uh, Doom could start a project when it came to tracks. Sub could finish it, and it can go vice versa. And that's often how I saw them complete a lot of the tracks when it came to the group. Doom was the vocalist. So, you know, of course, when it came to certain concepts that he wanted to write on, um, you know, he would decide, you know, the feel of the song, the type of beat that he probably wanted. And so before right in, they had such a chemistry to where um, if there was a concept that needed to be completed, it wasn't a bunch of arguments like, oh, listen, this is what I have laid down. That's what you feel. That's what you want to do. And the other one would just add on. So so was your role in the group, you know, more homie? Like you were just part of the crew, kind of, like, and you guys were a group, but really they were sort of the musical push and you were just part of KMD. You were just it was a squad. Well, yeah, I I I would say when we had when we held the classes, you know, I was one of the ones who led the classes and mm. taught. And I guess I've been doing they saw that as a gift. They said you have, you know, a way with words, you have this gravitas when they come with people. And uh, we need this other member for the group. And it was like also like a certain level of gratitude because we had became brothers. Right. And it was like, we want you to travel with us. We want you to be a part of this experience. It's and almost like a, it almost feels Jerobi-ish. Jerobi, well, a Tribe Called Quest-ish in, in the group and playing an important spiritual role, but not as much on re- from a on record standpoint. Because that, that wasn't something that I aspired to do in the group originally. It was something that they encouraged me to do. And I accepted whatever role, however they wanted me to stand in. Right. And I feel, I feel like Doom and Sub, uh, regardless of all the people that they experienced throughout the albums, throughout their musical careers, they had a plan early on of what it is that they wanted to achieve. And they wanted to provide for their families. They wanted to be able to use all their arts to be able to provide for their family. And through their metamorphosis and whatever happened, they stayed true to that. They stayed true to that. And I believe that a lot of us were just parts in that mm. through their missions that they would be able to work along with. And then if that expired, then that's what it was. That's a beautiful thing. Now, how hard was it for everyone and, and how upsetting and challenging? What do you remember about the passing of Subrock and, and how that affected everybody? That was a big uh, loss. That, 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 that was devastating. Uh, the, too young. Yeah. Too young. The loss, yeah. Yeah, the, the loss of Subrock, uh, Definitely changed. Too much talent, too young. You know, he's extremely talented. 
And that definitely turned things upside down for the group, for the family, the friends, for everybody. Because you got to remember, we were very young when all this happened. So Brock was only 20 years old uh, mm. when he passed. So it was very devastating. And for us to be impacted as people, as we knew that Doom was going through a lot. But that goes back to speak to what I said earlier. Doom knew that there was a mission and there was a plight. And I believe that regardless of, you know, whoever met their demise first, that that goal would have still been completed. The work will have still gone on. What would you say, um, what would you say about Doom, the kid that you knew? Um, just what is, what's the one lasting impression that when you think of him and your relationship with him uh, going all the way back to when you guys were basically kids, when you think of him, what do you, what do you think about? I was always amazed uh, at Doom's ability to create in the fashion that he did. I respected his, his, you know, his, you know, gift and being, it was a gift him being very unique and being a creator. Doom, even though there might've been 20 to 30 kids group from our group to get yours posse at Doom's house, uh, a lot of times we would be in the presence of Sub Rock. Doom would always seclude. He was always thinking of a master plan. Mm. He didn't care if people saw him as quirky. He didn't care if people saw him as a nerd. He didn't care if people thought that he dressed funny and he wore skids a different type of pants and he wore koofy hats. You know, he didn't care what people thought about him. He had conviction about what his purpose was. And that is one thing that he sustained through all the many years. And his ability to be able to take his art and not care about the critiques and be true to it, um, ultimately defied everything that the industry um, probably would try to uh, impose on people to make them change their art form. Doom didn't, and so much so to where a lot of people didn't honor Doom, but a lot of them might celebrate him in his death. You know, but we celebrated him early on. And one of the takeaways that I get about the entire experience uh, with Doom is that, you know, many of us, we don't feel at a loss because we can celebrate the fact that we knew where he started at in his journey, and he never switched up. He never changed. He made the world switch up. He made radio stations switch up. He made people say, you know what? Who was that masked man? You get what I'm saying? I sure do. And, we are and, and all of us are very happy to have been a part of that journey, regardless of the role that, you know, uh, we played in it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they sojourned from a commitment that those two brothers made with one another. And they were like, we're going to feed our family. And I mean, they, in every sense of the word, they were like black and these twins, man. They just, you know, they came from humble beginnings and they set out on a path and they made those things happen. They made them happen. And I feel kind of like um, the same way the world came together uh, from the impact of George Floyd. I see similar things happening right now throughout social media. Mm -hmm. And it's been, it's been kind of haunting for us because, you know, especially me being a member of KMD, um, seeing a lot of the old videos the pictures, everything resurging, and him being celebrated. So it's bittersweet. It's beautiful to see. But Doom's form of social justice was that he gave in that cult following many people um, a reason to celebrate their art, their creativity. Some people take art 
and they'll hang it on the wall and they can admire it. But dooms are was set forth to inspire you to create and be yourself in doing that mm. and not compromising your art for anyone. So his beef was with mainstream. His beef was with copycats and biters and whack rappers who succumbed to the pressures of mainstream in the industry. And instead he carved out a whole <laughs> thing. And, and you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta understand something, something for me, like me being Onyx and KMD, like Zev Love X is who I rapped with, right? I appreciated who Doom evolved into. Zev Love X backwards is X evolves. So Doom started with a militant mindset, and that was the Malcolm X. Evolves through him. He mm. dealt in continuity early on. Causing much damage was his graffiti crew name. But it became, through consciousness, a positive cause in a much damaged society. And we set out to be super heroes early on. We wanted to convert and save the world. We wanted to, we wanted to educate and enlighten our people, our nation. We were nation building. We were doing all the Black Lives Matter stuff early on as KMD. We was changing lives. So he had been a superhero in his community and to his people and to his friends. And Get Your Us knew that. He brought people together. We've had neighborhood communities come out here. We had a community center called the EOC where we would meet and we would hold classes and we would hold meetings. And uh, we would talk about, you know, doctrine and then sometimes we'll party. You know, and when we went out on tours, we were devout Muslims. It could be Ramadan, and we were fasting for Ramadan, and you know we're getting out there on stage, and we're and we're not in California, you know the mid south where it's burning up, and we're not eating, we're not drinking anything, we held true to our religion, we held true to our faith, so this is the foundation of what made that man super, you know, with this integrity. So going back to uh, just one more thing about what you said about with sub, you know that certainly was a blow because you set out and you make a plan to get all these things accomplished and all these things achieved. And then your co-pilot. Yeah. You know. Your brother. You maturely checks out. And with all the pain and things that Doom had to adorn and wear, he didn't let it stop him. He forged his way forward. He forged his way forward. You know, and, um, you know, by the time they got into the second album, you know, I had began writing on Black Bastards. But I chose a different route. I actually ended up chosen. Uh, it was mutual for me to to leave the group. I actually moved to Georgia shortly after. You know, I you know I didn't have knowledge prior about Electra's intent to drop KM, KMD from the label. So I know that was a blow. You know, after the loss of Sub. Right. Um, but we always have remained good friends. There was never no bad blood because I decided to leave. So you know. When I did move down to Georgia, you know, I had intentions of possibly starting another group or getting into another group. When I did decide I wanted to fight rap again, and that was going to be with uh, Jazzo from the Originators. Mm. We were working on a group called Farrell's Children. And, uh, you know, that didn't quite pan out. And then I moved back into Long Beach maybe a year or so later. And, uh, you know, I was able to see Subrock maybe three days before he passed. Wow. You know, so, and that that basically put a bad taste in my mouth when it came with just music. I didn't even want to hear nothing black bastards because that played at his funeral. And that, that was a lot of pain, you know, and, I'm, and I'd be lying if I didn't say that to this day, I'm extremely pained by sub and now here doom. So, but I'm still able to, to celebrate these guys and to know that they achieved what they set out to do. They did. 
and I'm reminded when I see the love, when I see uh, a Peter Rosenberg, you know, on the other side of my phone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, when, he, he made a lot, even a big impact. Do you get what I'm saying? You see how far you got to dig back to understand these guys? Yeah. That, well, that's one of the things that's me. fascinating. That's that's what's fascinating is that, you know, I was saying uh, earlier this week, I mean, that's it's like talking about a Jay-Z and how far you go back. Now, granted, their paths were very different. But when you talk about Jay-Z and you talk about Doom, you talk about maybe the two most relevant, currently relevant guys from the late 80s, early 90s. And so you go back, their story's incredibly deep. I mean, this this began a very, very long time ago. And so that's why it's it's really um, I think it's important for the audience to hear and the fans to hear your voice as someone who was there from the the beginning and got to see this rise and give us some insight into what the whole story began as because we know to some degree at least what the finished product was artistically. So to see to go back and see where this all started is is fascinating. So yo, thank you for reaching out. Um, I really appreciate it, bro, and uh, I'm glad to have your voice on the show. You're very welcome, Rosenberg, and thank you once again for the platform. Onyx, thank you, bro. Take it easy, man. You're welcome, brother. You too. All yeah. right, that is Onyx of KMD. Um, and we keep it moving now. And we move it all the way up to the present day. Big Ben is joining me via iPhone from somewhere in the world. Hold on, I don't hear you yet. Wait, it's connecting. And there he is. Ben, what's up, man? What's up, Peter Rosenberg? How are you, sir? I'm 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 good. I'm grateful for you um reaching out. Um Ben has been Doom's longtime friend, tour manager, um, right hand, uh, business partner, etc. So I really appreciate that you uh heard some things and wanted to reach out because you know, obviously, as you know, not a lot of people were um, that I that, that are in the regular hip hop circles were in close contact with Doom, you know. So I'm really grateful to hear from someone who was very close to him. And I just want to say uh, my condolences, man. I know it must be hard for you to have not only gone through it on Halloween, but then kind of be going through it again right now. Yeah, man. Yes, and 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 I want to thank you, bro, because I know you're a hip hop enthusiast, and I know. You know, I know JD and I know people, we, we both know mutual people. And I, you, I know you've been doing your thing a long time and you know about all the good stuff. You know all about the other stuff. And you, you know, you've been there day one. So I know you're a day one and I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you hollering at George, which is our brother. And, and, and you know, Bob and everybody that's family with us, man. We all came up together. So it's, it's what's up. I'm, I'm glad to be here, bro. So, Ben, what did you, if you've heard some of the conversations um, about Doom that people have been having, has there been any sort of main thought that you've been hearing or having that you've been like, you know, I really want to get a chance to express this, which I think is something people are missing. As someone who is close to him, is there anything in particular that stands out to you in that way that you think is being lost on the MF Doom story? Well, I think I think the way, you know, we had protocol, tight protocol, how we did stuff. You know, Villain been in the game long before we even recreated the MF Doom thing, and he's been in the game forever, and he's went through some stuff before. So we had ways where we're going to keep it pretty much foolproof, fireproof, you know, so to speak. In a lot of ways, and and I think with with the with the way we did it, and then when you hear people talk, 
I love I love that the people that that's been speaking are people that really know him, you know, know him pretty well. We were all there together for a lot of the stuff, you know, just plays and man, that was dope as hell. And and I want to correct some of that story too, but we'll get to that. Okay. But um, I think I think the love, bro. I think the love, man. You know what I'm saying? The pain, the pain, the love that it's a love pain thing. You know, we all as people, man, we go through a lot in life. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you you know, Rosenberg, you know his story. You know what I'm saying? So the pain sometimes, and then when you have such a tight knit on how we did things, it, it makes you forget how much, of, how much of a loving dude and how much he was all about the, you know, all about love, B, and, and not necessarily, you know, particular people, but everybody, man. He loved, he loved people, man. He loved people the, the right way. We did things the right way for food, clothing, shelter, to take care of these babies. And everybody we ever had working with us, man, everyone's already always been taken care of, lovely. We've always had the best conversations. You know, Allah is great to allow us to be confronted by some really good-hearted, good people. And villain, if anybody that's come across him can look him in his eyes and talk to him and know, yo, this dude is all about, yo, he's a loving dude. He's a good dude, man. And I think that hasn't been said enough, mm. being that, you know, people kind of talking about all the, you know, people in the hoopla a little bit, and it's dope because he's so talented. Right. Of a dude people want to talk about the art, him. naturally, yeah. And that's dope, but I just don't want that part, you know, that part can't not be told. Because mm. if it wasn't for that, you know what I'm saying, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have drawn, his art wouldn't have drawn because, one thing about art is we all know, you know, art is dope and it's talent. But, you know, the person behind the art plays a lot of, sometimes plays a lot in what it does to people or for people or with people. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of his love came through in his, in his love for how he did that shit. He did that shit the right way at all times, at all seconds, because he loved, he loved the music. He loved hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? He, he did. Where, where did your guys' relationship uh, begin? Oh, man. Rocksteady Park, man. Me, Curious, Bobito, Cotty, King's Son. All of us grew up in the same building or the building next to each other. You know what I'm saying? And Doom and Sub used to come and fuck with us when we was all teenagers. I was about 11 or 12. They're all older than me, about four or five years. So they was like 15, 16, 17. You know what I'm saying? So Doom and Sub used to come and chill in the park, and we all chilled in the park, hung out, played basketball, bugged out. Went and did shows. We used to leave and do shows together. All of us, our crew, CM fam. Shout out to CM fam. You know, we all CM fam. So it, it's been from then, man. I was 11, 12 years old. And um, and, and that's when me and Doom got to know each other a little bit. You know, just on some cool shit. What's up, little fat boy type shit? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was a nice guy. You know what I'm saying? And shout out to MF Grimm. MF Grimm, another one. You know what I'm saying? Yo, what up, big boy? Come here, man. Let me show you something type shit. You know what I'm saying? But then, you know, there was a point where Doom and I got real close. You know, A likes on some hard shit, man. Like I'm a jolly fat dude in, in my in my real childhood and my real humanhood. How I am now, <laughs> and and Doom is a nice dude. You know what I'm saying? So we just used to talk about other stuff. You know what I mean? And we got close, and we got super close when, you know, after Sub died and when Doom went through what he went through and was going through what he was going through, and Doom used to kind of wander off from us sometimes. You know what I'm saying? He'd just leave the park and break out. And sometimes I'd be like, yo, yo, nah, chill, D, where you going? Hold up. And, and and walk with him. And we all lived in the hood, so sometimes he'd come to the crib. We'd end up in George's crib a lot of nights. We'd end up in my crib, my mom's chilling. And he'll just, you know, just because he was, he was going through some shit. And me and him end up, like, kicking it together. And then, and long story short, you know what I'm saying, we end up, like, basically he'll be in, he'll be in Harlem. He'll be in Harlem with me or be in Harlem with George, be in Harlem with us. You know what I'm saying? And he wouldn't even go back to Allah all the time. He'll just stay out there and fuck with us. 
and then you know eventually you know to go down the line a little bit maybe a year later to uh, a little less than uh, maybe about a year later you know he moved down to dc with me you know i mean i was going to howard university i was coming home doing stretching bob on thursday nights and on sunday nights over those years because i was coaching with fear and all that and um he came and lived with me on our street, man, in, in, in D.C. And I was going to Howard. I was going to class. Me and him was grinding to pay that rent. Cause I had a little two-bedroom apartment. I had moved out of the dorms. And me and him was just grinding and talking and, and having love for each other and appreciating each other. And, and, and let me tell you, back in them days, you know New York is hard body. Like, New York is hardcore. You know what I'm saying? He's famous. So he walks around. We on the train and shit. Niggas coming up. Yo, Sam, what's up? Where you at? What you doing? When you bringing out a song? All that type shit. You know what I'm saying? Doom was like cool to see, trying to be cool, but brothers is putting a lot of extra shit on him. They ain't, you know what I'm saying? He was trying to get over his situation, get through his situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, I and, and it's, I was like, man, come on. It's hard to remember. If you haven't spent a lot of time in New York, you may not appreciate that. You know, while KMD was not like, you know, the world's biggest rap group, they were successful enough that if he was moving around, everyone's seeing the video on the box. Like, they're seeing, oh, you're moving with Search and Pete. Like, it was a thing. So yep. there, there, that had yep. to be. And then Sub passes, and you're trying to mourn. It is still a public situation that must have been a, a scary place to be and not a really pleasant place to be. Man, I, yeah, I, could, I couldn't. It's funny how things happen, man. I couldn't ever relate to that the way I used to talk to him and used to feel, and I would try, you know, I'm a Pisces, I would feel his shit, but I could never really relate to it until the last couple of months. Like, I really could understand it a lot better than I did then, and it's fucked up because it's him, but... That's, that's, that that's, if that's not the most life bullshit punching you in the face, you spent your whole life trying to be a friend that could understand, and the only way you could understand is when he's the brother that's gone? Mm. The fuck out of here. Fuck out of here is right. That's that life. That's that life shit. That adult shit. No one can teach you about. That's um. So this is the mid '90s, and I I didn't know there was a part of the story in which in which Doom was hanging in D.C. where I'm from. Um. So you guys are hanging out around Howard in the mid '90s, and do you remember the start of the Doom, Fondalum, uh, Bobito situation? Yeah. So Doom and I, we was living together, and um. And shout outs to Jazz. Doom had, you know, met met his wife, you know, at the time, and he was running back and forth to New York. You know, he still was doing his thing, you know, getting back to New York sometime, you know, taking he taking care of his son full time and doing all type of, you know, shit. And and all I wanted, to, you know, all I wanted to see is, you know, he's so nasty of a rhymer and a producer. All I just wanted them to see, wanted to see, was him happy, be in a place where he could just be happy, and it'd be like a cherry on top if he ever would just do music again. So, you know what I'm saying? We playing PlayStation, we grinding, doing what we do, trying to get a few dollars. And, and I remember we used to, I used to like kind of beat him in the hand. I remember we used to talk about it. Like, also, we listening to, oh, man, I got to drop. I got to tell you this. So, it, now pushing forward, I remember Wu had dropped and Capadonna album, yo. Mm-hmm. The Pillage. Doom bought The Pillage. 97, yeah. Doom bought Capadonna album three, four times because we, we played the CD so much it kept getting scratched. We even lost one or broke one or something in the truck or something. But so many, we had, he bought it three times. Dude, that shit was like our shit, B. You know what I mean? So we sitting there, he hearing shit, and I could tell he kind of like feeling, you know, and we feeling a little better. I don't know. I'm feeling better with him because I'm feeling like he's a little bit more normal. You know what I mean? Feeling a little more normal. And on uh, one day, yo, 
I'm on the balcony, and I, you know, I done beat him in the head, Paul, you know what I'm saying? And he just came out there and was like, yo, Ben, you know what I'm saying? Fuck this shit, yo. Like, all right, check this out. I'm going to do this shit, right? But I don't want nobody to see my face. I got character. I thought I'm doing. I'm gonna do this shit the, the way I want to do it. I don't want to see nobody face, and I want you to handle all business. I don't want to meet nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I want all business to be taken care of. You holla at Bob, and we gonna do this shit. But I don't want to be dealing with people like that because he was still, you know, the whole electric, the whole, the, the you know, you yeah, already know yeah. the whole situation of all the industry and shit. So it was like he was willing to go ahead and do do the music, which was like, oh shit. I just want you to be happy. The music would have been stereotype, but he was like, yo, bet. You know what I'm saying? And then. That's what he said to me. He's like, I want you to take care of all the business, and I'm going to go ahead. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to rock this and do this. And that's when he came up with the whole shit with the mask. So uh, am, am I being too much of a hip-hop nerd and reaching to say that on some level, the, the Capadonna Pillage album was a, a, a sort of an inspiring piece of work for Doom at that time? I, I won't say because I, I, could, I could feel what it was to us at the time. Yeah. And I'm only feeling a part of what he may have felt because we was there. Yeah, you know what it is when you with your man's, you listen to shit. You know, you know how music do, man. So you might be reaching a little bit, but you ain't. You're but it was some shit. Like it was the shit y'all were on. I just find it fascinating because Cap, you know, you don't think of Cap and Doom in in similar spaces, but. They do both exist in that special nomadic weirdo. You know what I mean? Like they are related. They are cousins in in some way. So like I I just I do fuck with that. And that album is just a slept on great piece of work. That that uh, the pillage. Um. So so the the Fondulum shit happens and Operation Doomsday happens and um. I guess at the beginning over those first few years. I'm guessing it felt sort of like a relatively normal sort of rebuilding of a career, right? Like he wasn't yet an an icon; he was sort of a growing star again. No. Nah, it was really, it was really like well, what what made it more of kind of like in pocket like that was Bob. You know what I'm saying? Like we close with Bob, so I'm on the phone with Bob breaking break yo Bob. You know, we well, first of all, we took the first songs to Bob at his crib when he lived on 14th Street, and Bob hit us with bread. I remember we took the damn Greyhound, and Bob hit us with bread for a song, and then end up another song. You know what I'm saying? And then it was like, oh shit, I. And so I think, I think maybe what you're saying, it kind of, it kind of start feeling like that because we had the lane that Doom had created and had been through already, and then we had Bob, and we had. You know what I mean? We had somebody that already believed in us because he knew us, loved us. I'm like a little, you know, I grew up, in, like I said, in the next building. So Bob knows me, knows, oh, it's Ben and Doom. Fuck it here, what y'all need? You know what I mean? Let me get that. What y'all gonna do? Blah, blah, blah. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is more the opposite, that like, because Doom ended up being this legend, it's hard to remember that there was a time when he wasn't yet a legend. He was just an, a, an indie dude putting out music. Like, it wasn't nothing crazy yeah. at that time. Absolutely, dog. We did shows for 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 two hundred dollars. I remember we, yeah, it was rough. I mean, it was def- it was definitely rough. It was it was it was nothing like what we were talking about, you know. Now, <laughs> as far as that, yes, and that and that in that aspect. But I can say from the inside, it felt like we was doing what we were supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Once he was in on it, once he was back in, it was easy for me, man. I learned everything on the fly, damn there, Rosenberg. I'm just a hip hop fan that grew up around Rocksteady Park. That loved love my boys that was in the game and that loved meeting, you know, working with people and all that shit. Awesome, cool shit. No, meeting people, chilling and drinking and going to shows and shit like that. And I loved the music. 
But yes, it was in pocket, and I had a dude like that next to me, and the shit was just, it was like, it probably wasn't, it, pro- it was very hard, and it was very, just like you said, like starting all over again, but I could tell that it was, a, um, I think the, the thing that him and Sub laid down already just made it like, it was inevitable. What, um, when you think back on the, the, the best of times, and I know there's been a lot of shows and a lot with you guys, um, are there any particular stories that really stand out to you the most that you think back on when you're thinking of the good old days? <laughs> snapping, yo. <laughs> you know, we always snapping. You know, that's what we do. And dude was like that. They're going to be like, dude was almost a dude that if you were somebody that ain't know like that, punch you in the face. So I got a good story. I got a good one. So it's okay. going to be funny to y'all. And it's funny to me now, but it wasn't funny then. Okay. Those are the best stories. <laughs> So me and Doom was living each other in that apartment, right? You know, we snapping. So back in the days, we used to tell everybody, fill our balls, don't fondle them, all that shit. That's what Bob named it, fondle them. You know, fill balls, whatever. So we used to call each other sister and lady and shit like that. So one day, Doom said something in the living room, you know what I'm saying? And I said, yo, yeah, whatever, lady. And he turned around and in one quick swing, slapped dog shit out of me. Dog, I'm 6'4". I was playing football at Howard at the time. I was 6'4", 288. He slapped me so hard. Doom has the heaviest hands you would ever feel in your life. It's like your auntie or your mom slapped you, your <laughs> big auntie. And he slapped me, and I seen stars. And the second he slapped me, my motherfucking instinct was, yo, what? And I shoved him and broke our wall. I shoved him into our dining room wall from the living room, ran with him and shoved him into the wall, pushed him into the wall, and made a dent in the wall that's not like, like his body almost his back. <laughs> So he got up and was like, yo, where's, all right, fuck that. Come on, let's go outside so we'll tear the crib up. So we went outside. So I see them grab something. I ain't care, you know what I'm saying? So we went outside of the crib. And we just stood there. Mind you, we love each other, man. We there for our darkest moments. I'm fucked up in life in a lot of ways, man. That nigga's there for me, man. That brother, excuse me, but, you know, that brother, yeah, man. So we looking at each other. You know what I'm saying? You could tell we was like, fuck it, let's fight it out. But we ain't want to hurt each other. And we just was like. And I seen he had something in the back of his, in his hand, but he was, like, holding it behind him. And I was just, like, we both at the same time was, like, man, fuck you, man, you ugly ass. Fuck you, man, whatever, whatever. And then we both went upstairs, and that was it. We was cool. And then we just kept going with the night, go back to PlayStation or something. <laughs> All it took was one lady at the wrong time, and you got fire slapped. Fire slapped out of me, B. With the hardest metal hands, B. You think that metal hand shit is a game? That boy, yo, that boy hands is crazy. Wait, is that, is that actually, does that actually play into metal fingers? Is that really a thing? Is that part of it or no? I, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so. It's not like we, nah, I don't think so. Nah, I don't think so. It's just that I just know this man's hands is hard and heavy than a motherfucker, and that's probably like, yeah, damn. Yo, so it's was, ironic that it's just metal fingers. Was this guy, was he always sitting around consuming media? Because it, it did seem as if his knowledge base he he had such a wealth of of information, like referencing comics, film, television, new like New York, like he just seemed to have such a wide eye and saw and took in so much information. You know, how some dudes are just observant and absorbent and study. You know, I never studied in school. You know, what I'm saying I just passed and did well off the shit that I knew. You know what I mean? And it was something hard for me that I fuck around and got a D or a C. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, me too. Doom studied. He's a studying person. 
You know what I'm saying? He studied physics and metaphysics for the last 20 years. And so I think maybe some of that is coming from the fact that he, he absorbs shit. And, and plus, you know what I'm saying? We kind of from the street. So you got to watch your surroundings. You got to see what's going on. In order to survive, you got to know what's going on around you. And Villain always had that. He always had that in every aspect, even when it comes to to uh, non-street things. He just studied. He paid attention. So I think, you know, that's probably a lot of it right there. What did, what did you want to correct about the Just Blaze story? What do you remember about that? First of all, you said, <laughs> you said that he's, first of all, he didn't tell Just to put the camera out. It was me. That's not the part. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Now, the by the way, I'm quoting, when... I'm quoting Just story. So, so what you heard is me tell the story on the radio, which was a repeat of what Just had told me in Cypher on the podcast. But okay, continue. Okay, okay. Uh, and Just, uh, me and Just laugh about the same story. And okay, Just okay. told it the other night on the little shit too. But, but anyways, but it, so after I told him that, that we finished the show whatever, we went backstage. You also said that something to the fact that like, just, that, that Doom said, my bad, oh shit, just, you Just Blaze, oh my bad, or something like we met him like Just Blaze, oh my bad type shit. No. One thing about doing we don't want to put in we don't put it in the air is that apologetic for something that's protocol or something that's standard or something that he's uh, like he, he there's no sorry because he's not lying to nobody he's not doing nothing outside of himself right you know what I mean so that part was more important than who it was that actually told I told it by the way I think I don't want to be an asshole I actually think Ebro may have ad libbed that into the story but I could be wrong because I understood what you're saying. That, like, he wasn't on some, oh, you're doing my bad. It was just like, yo, I know you're somebody, but I, I, it's just what I, you got to put your camera away. It's, like, it it's, just is it what it is. And just, yeah. of course, recognized it because he's a fan, so it's not like he's on some. Yo, I remember, it's like, it was like the time I saw Jay-Z backstage once, and I had my camera out, and I was just filming shit, and I saw Jay and B walking, and I'm just still filming. And Jay walked up to me, like, fucking um, straight out of Star Wars and just held his hand up and went like this, and I just dropped my camera. I didn't say, like, what the fuck, ho? <laughs> I just put my camera away. It is what it is. Like, you know, geniuses are geniuses. You do what you what you got to do. Um Word, word. But um, but uh, do, but just tell that story is hilarious too because he's like, he's like the fans thought we had beef and everything because he said I still had the mic. I don't know. He said I was still talking to the mic and I was like, nah, son, you got you can't do that. La 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 la. I don't. I remember doing it, but I don't remember having the mic with the fans here. So he's saying the fans the next day is asking questions that we had. By the way, I so re- I so relate to this story too because I know what it's like. Like I've hosted shows where the main act who's on the show. Him and his team don't give a fuck about who I am. So I may have just been on stage and the crowd fucked with me, but once they're there, they're like, all right, everyone clear the stage. This is our stage. And so you can end up being like, uh, sorry. And like, it's like you were a part of the show and now you're getting kind of played. It's just kind of like, it's, it's the game. Um, did, did Doom have any... Is, there, is it difficult for you now that he's gone are there challenges that were created by the fact that he lived such a unique existence? You know what I'm saying? Where there's not as much documented and you, you are going to rely on people telling stories word of mouth because not so many people know him and got, listen, I was never in a room with the man and I've been in a room with everyone in rap basically, except maybe Dr. Dre and MF doom. Like I've been in the room and he's, I've never even been near him. I say that not to be an asshole, but to say, 
if I haven't been, a lot of people haven't been. He's an, he's an elusive guy. Are there any challenges that come from that in trying to memorialize him and, and have him celebrated the right way? Hey, well, before I answer that question, uh, Rosenberg, you may have. You may not know it. That is a fact. You might, if you've been at shows. If you've been at a show, or if you've been at, you know, you, you might have been in the crowd with him. He might have been right there next to you in the crowd before he comes back on you know, during the intermission because he, he walked in the middle of the crowd in the middle of shows or right before the show while I'm introducing him. So you just never know. And people don't know when they see him. So That's, a, anyway, fact. That's a fact, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, to answer that question, I think, I think you know what I think? It's, it's like this. What he did and how he had us doing it, it's kind of pre-laid to be the way it was and to be the way it is. And it still fits in the same realm. It's like, the amount of documentation is, is some documentation there, right? But the amount of documentation that there wasn't, there will never be. It wasn't then, and it worked like a charm, and everything was beautiful then. That's a fact. It's the same amount now. It's not like it's supposed to be more now. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. It's the same. The, 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 the foundation and the way he did it and the way we did the shit, he had it where everything that end up working and he always knew certain shit and we used to have this thing where we rub our hands together and be like ha ha it's working me and him laughing to laugh with each other you know it's working because we everything was unconventional we had our own crew tell us yo tell him take the mask off tell me tell him take the mask off shit everything that 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 he laid down and that i was able to put parts in it's like it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be not that much documentation. Mm-hmm. Or there is documentation that everybody doesn't know about. It's supposed to be that he's right around and nobody knows he's not around. It's supposed to be not access- accessible, but accessible where it's supposed to be accessible. So it's the same thing now than it was when he was, you know, when he, when he was rocking. Do you think... Was when he was, do, you, right. do you think that... Um, did he ever... Can you share if he ever talked about the idea of posthumous work or do you think there will be posthumous work or do you think it ends with him leaving us in physical form? Food, clothing, shelter, though. Like we like we did this for food, clothing, shelter and 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 and, and out of love. Food, clothing, shelter and out of love. So the work that the work that he did it was it was for food, clothing, shelter for these babies. You know what I'm saying? So the babies are still here. The babies have still got to eat. So we ain't make it to go out and buy Lamborghinis and shit. We bought it for food, clothes, and shelter for these babies. So, yes, it's, it's yeah. He didn't have to say it. No, I, I'm not going to say if he said and talked about after or not or what, what we think is after because his after ain't what everybody else think is after. Right. But transitional, after transition, nah, he, he, it's, all, it's all just how, how, how he did it. He did it like this. It's still the same shit going on now. And just as big and more. And it's going to be forever. Because music, one thing we know about music is it's, it's forever. Well, and I have to imagine, I have to imagine that this man was incredibly prolific. Like that, based on how much he's done previously, I have to imagine the stash is crazy town. I mean, I have to. Yeah, he got, yeah, he, he, he worked, you know. I mean, he, he did. He did a lot of shit. He got a lot of throwaways. He got a lot of in the pocket. He got a lot of shit in, in his back pocket. I mean, we've all we've got, all known that Matt Villainy's Matt Villainy two was almost done. We everyone knows that he's talked about it for ten years. So I mean, do ever been done? Yeah, there's shit out. There's a lot of shit. Um, any do you have any recollections of uh, 
maybe any other interactions with him and other artists who admired him that you got to be privy to. We know how much most admired him. 3,000 admired him. Tyler admired him. Kanye admired him. So many of the greats of our time admired him. Any any stories like that stick out? Um, well, the ones, you know, with the, with, the, with, the Tyler, with Tyler and them, that was dope. But you guys already seen that, I'm sure, like the little video they had. But that was so dope, man. The, the, you know, just the, 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 the music love and the hip-hop magic and, and, the, and the way they feel about him, the influence that he's had on them. You know, their eyes lit up. Um, their manager was like, yo, Ben, they might cry, yo. I was like, yo, man, do whatever. It's cool. They can do whatever. It's just dope. But, that you know, that moment was, was crazy. Um, man, and, I mean, Otis, yo. Otis, like, even when we, when him and Otis got together, it was just like, man, it was like, wow. You know, like, Otis, Otis got mad respect for him, and, and, and it was just like, it was just, it was mutual, but Otis, you could tell Otis really, you know, dig, you know, dig this music on a, on a different level, and that was ill. I've just seen, I've seen people approach and try to approach, and, and, and one thing about him is he didn't believe in calling nobody. He didn't believe in reaching out to nobody. I wasn't allowed and never will be allowed to hit up an artist and be like, yo, can we do this? You know what I'm saying? We let everything happen through, through the naturalization of what happened. And a lot of times, if we doing enough wreck, and if his wreck is ill enough, people will come and we'll get some hot shit done, possibly. And if not, it's cool. We're not really trying to do music to be doing music with people. And I think that's where you've had these artists with that, you know, had that's been influenced by him. Yeah, it's some ill, you know, it's a couple of ill stories. That was one. Um, I could say uh, the uh, oh, let's see these. Uh, the thing about a lot of artists that that he knows, like they. That, that 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 admire him or that, that they they admire each other's work. He's no he's known some of them like for years. You know what I'm saying? Like shout out to Buster, Buster's family. You know what I'm saying? Him and Buster been known each other since teenage years. You know what I'm saying? And 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 for that reason, I'm able to be cool with Buster. Me and Buster's kind of cool. You know, very cool actually. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I I don't know if it's any uh I don't like to blow people up, but I, I don't yeah you know need to know bases on some of that shit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that makes sense. That's one of our, you know what I mean? But yeah, I don't want to blow nobody up because maybe they don't want nobody to know that. You know, and I guess everybody did come out and say how they feel about him and his music and shit like that. But you know, those times was just dope-ass times. People really appreciate the man's music and the man's work. And, and most of the times when they got up with the dude and they got up together and we all chilled, it was a dope. A lot of these guys are really good dudes. Like, I like I like the fact that we've come across some artists that are really, they got, you know, there's some good dudes out here. They're, no, they definitely we are. Appreciate did did yeah. did did him and Ghostface have a, a a personal relationship, or was it just sending music back and forth? Um, it was it was both. You know what I'm saying? They they kicked it and built. You know, one thing about Starks is a shout out to Starks. Pick up Starks, fam. You know what I mean? You know, Starks again. We all cut from that cloth kinda. You know what I'm saying? So when we got up, got up, and a couple times it was like, oh, word, da 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 da. da. And, and you know, end up we talking about health and 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 life and the babies and 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 you know the music is like part of it, but that's what what brought us together, and that's what brought us together to end up end up finding out what's good, you know, what's going on with each other type shit, or just learning more about each other and ended up finding out that we got a lot of things in common. So him and Starks were were more than just sending music, you know what I'm saying? I I would I don't know how much time they they may have spoken. I don't know when they speak on the phone all the time or speak whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I know that, you know, it was more than just the music. What was it about Bishop Nauru that he took such an, an interest in in that kid? Man. Yo, it was it was crazy because shout out to Jen, Bishop's dad. So Jen 
Jen bumped into us somewhere. I think it was like London or something. And Jen happened to know some people we know from back in the days or whatever, whatever. And then Jen was like, yo, my son is ill, da 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 Now, the fact that he knew people we knew and then Jen, the way you, you could feel his aura, he's another good, good, yeah, dude. He's yeah. another good guy. He's a good dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jen. And, you know, OG, you know what I'm saying? So we talked to him and we get to talking. We're like, yo, that's, yo, we know that same dude. They ain't like, and Jen didn't even know we knew him. We just talking about the area, you know what I'm saying? Spring Valley and all that. We're like, yo, where are we around up there, blah, blah, blah. And so his energy made us, you know, me and Bill ended up talking about him later that night. Like, yo, where are you saying son? We're going to figure, you know, find out, whatever, whatever. And um, at some point, we got some of his shit. And when Bill heard his shit, he was like, nah. Like, dude's not 15. Like, nah. Like, kid's not 15. Like, word? 15? Let me hear some more of that shit. Yo. That, that kid. And he never really called him a kid. He was like, yo. Yo, that that king, that, that that little king, do it the right way, or the God got it right. Yo, he he got it right, and and he just was like, man, it was just the that was it. It was just the ball was rolling from that point. As some, you know, and it's not like, you know, one thing about Bill is everything is gonna happen in the, in, in time. You know, everything is in time. Like time is man made, so we don't really like pay attention to too much of this time shit and all this shit. But that ball rolled faster and smoother than normally and it could have been the biggest superstar in the world and Bill would have been it would have been five years maybe perhaps maybe two maybe one maybe six months but that 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 energy from his dad and then that music when he heard it I could tell he was like yo son is ill like son is ill and then it just ended up being you know Nehru came out there fucked around a little bit and it was it was on it was on um, hey, listen, uh, Ben, I'm really glad you reached out. You got my number now, bro. Any stories, anything you ever want to share just in general? Just hit me, bro. I'm, 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 Thanks, Rosenberg. Appreciate you, brother. I'm sorry we were meeting under these terms, but I still feel like it's, you know, it's still it's still dope in hip-hop that uh, we get to know each other now. So uh, my condolences no again doubt. on your loss, bro. He was, he, was, uh, he was a special cat. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. All right. Keep in touch, Re- brother. We'll talk. You Peace. too. Reach out anytime. My man. Peace. All right, there you have it. Um, that right, man. I really enjoyed that conversation. I really, really enjoyed that. Shouts to Big Ben, um, who's uh, been working with Doom forever. Shouts to all of you for hanging out for this spectacular. Happy birthday to Billy June, our producer, by the way. Make sure you subscribe to One Ep is Did. Make sure you rate, review, comment, all that. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. We appreciate you. Rest in peace to MF Doom. We'll catch you guys next time. 